603-283-6160. What do you want to talk about? Well, it's up to you. We can also uh, bring some things to the table, which we are going to definitely do here tonight. Coming up, the Department of Homeland Security and their latest intelligence, quote-unquote, gathering operation that apparently, according to Politico, virtually no one knows about. We can tell you about that one coming up here. Uh, but a little bit closer to home for those out in Wyoming, Captain has a story about some creepy surveillance state expansions. And by the way, here tonight, it's Ian. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. Indeed, by the way, uh, Captain Kickass with a fresh new album, EP thing that uh, has been released. I guess, can you call it an album if it's not on I mean, vinyl? So many people don't know what an EP is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've had so many people go, what's an EP? It's like, well, okay, so there used to be an album. Were they under the age of 45, or, like, what was the... I think probably, let's see if I'm... I mean, I would think 35 and under. They definitely won't. Definitely don't have any. They're like, what's an EP? But, like... Millennials, Gen Z, no way. If you've ever owned, like, vinyl, you might know what an EP is. Yeah. Uh, But it just used to mean shorter than an album. It was one of those smaller records right so like there was the full 12 inch and the eps were usually like what eight or well they they were actually usually six? the same size as, really? as the full album oh, it's see, just they had less that. songs but i remember they did have the smaller they uh, did records, there were right? there were 45s mm-hmm. and then there were lps and then so the eps were also lps or yes, no? yes. oh see, the eps were the know. same size as an lp uh, but okay. they just were fewer just songs. E- right. So there was was there still a reverse side on most EPs? Yes. Okay. Yes. So there used to be singles, which of course is where B side comes from. Right. Because the single would be the like A six side. Six inch, right? It was just a forty five. It was yeah, six inch record. Right, six, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh it was just a you know, a a small record, one song on one side, and you have to flip it over to play the other song. That was the B side. Mm-hmm. And so then the larger records would have anywhere from three to 15 songs and uh you know usually anything above 10 was called an album album. yeah anything under 10 might be considered an ep depending Mm -hmm. on the length so like metallica's uh master of puppets for example is an lp but it's only like i think seven or eight songs but they're long they're really long songs yeah Yeah, they're epic so like the duration of the music makes it an lp Mm -hmm. so there's all this sort of like sort of industry standards surrounding surrounding this kind of thing but generally speaking if you put out like three songs that's an ep because you can't call it a single you did it's not really a double there's no such thing as a triple right so that's what i did i put out three songs and it's called an ep Uh, it's actually called eleutheromania right it is yeah Yeah, the eleutheromania ep and i have news actually tell me about it yeah uh regarding this so i i put out the ep eleutheromania did you break on, into the Billboard Top 100? No. no. <laughs> on Independence Day, because Luthermania, for those of you who don't know, uh, means uh, an insatiable desire for freedom. I did not know that prior to this album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's like when I discovered the word, I'm like, oh, that would make a good yeah, album yeah, title. For right? sure. For sure. And so, I, you know, it's been in the back of my head for a long time. So I finally put these songs together. I put them out. Uh, I did a pre-release at Porkfest and Forkfest. Mm-hmm. I sold out sold of, the, out, yeah. of the first print of there. I've got more for sale at CaptainKickass.com uh, on USB cards. Mm-hmm. So they're custom-made Captain Kickass cards that plug into your computer. It's got all the stuff on it, all the songs, a right. bunch of music, lyrics. It's got music videos. Makes sense, because who has CD players anymore? No one. Yeah. Who has? I mean, I probably more people what? have record players than CD players. Every smart TV has a USB port. Oh, there you go. So you can just plug it right into your smart TV, and like if you got a sound system hooked up to mm-hmm. it, you're good to go. 
So anyway, my news is uh, up until now, the only place that you can get the music videos, there's three of them, one for each song, right. uh, is on this USB card. Uh, however, on August 12th, which I believe is next Saturday, uh, the videos are going live. They Ooh. should be everywhere. And All I right. mean available on like Roku, on Amazon, on YouTube, on Sweet. Tidal. On, there's a bunch of places that the distributor that I'm working with uh, you know, will will place them. I'm also going to make them available on my own YouTube channel, which mm-hmm. I've actually never published anything on except for a demo okay. of the USB card. <laughs> so if you can cool. find the Captain Kick-Ass YouTube channel, you'll see that there. But August 12th will be the, the premiere, uh, international, I guess, because you right. can get them anywhere, yeah. of the music videos for all three of these songs. That is the nice thing about the internet when it comes to music is uh, there's no borders uh, as far as distribution. Yeah. I mean, they can go anywhere, and uh, that's that's one of the best things that the internet, I think, has brought us is the ability to... Uh, you know, to enjoy music from all around the world without having to go to the record store, uh, if those even exist anymore. Let's go to the phones here. I got uh, Ridley on the line. Dave Ridley uh, here from New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. And then we'll get to the surveillance state stuff coming up. Go ahead, Ridley. All right, you guys pick the topic. One of the one of three things. Which one is most interesting to you? Uh, Marriott White? Um, I, I'm sorry. Uh, White, 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 Mar- Marriott? White Marriott. Marriott White? It's it's and, a man for people that don't know. That's uh, it is uh, sadly he passed away. A long time free yeah, talk. Actually, we could just talk about him right now. I just yeah. want to give a shout out to everybody that's attending his memorial. Oh, that's tonight, isn't it? That's tonight. Yeah. Uh, there will be no beard talk live tonight mm-hmm. uh, for that reason. That's where Peakless Mountaineers. For Peakless is, uh, and so uh, you know, shout out to everybody. If you attended Porkfest and Forkfest, White was the balloon guy. He was always hanging around. Uh, He's a professional balloon. Professional, yes, yes. Animal guy. Yeah, like and he would twist him up. And, he, he was amazing at it, yeah. and he enjoyed his work immensely. Uh, I didn't know him very well, so I'm not attending the memorial. I just, you know, I didn't know him that well. But like the community is certainly affected by by his passing. Yeah, uh, he actually passed away during the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yeah. He had a uh, one of the park models at the at Rogers campground that he had been living in for the summertime, basically. And so, I mean, and we did address this at the time when it, when it happened, I got on the air and, and talked about it and you know, gave my rest in peace. But, uh, I mean, if you're going to go Rogers campground, is probably the, you know, the best place to go, going in a place where you're surrounded by people that care about you. And you're at a place that has a, a meaning in your life. Yeah. I mean, there's, as far as ways to go, there's probably a, no better way to uh, to do it. Yeah, and where he was affecting people, you know, in many different ways, not just the kids with you know his art and the, and sure. the balloon thing. But and now those are shoes that I don't think could ever be filled. No, for, I, for I, sure, I don't think for so sure. either. Uh, so there, there's that one, uh, Ridley. But what were your other two? Uh, ultimately, we could talk about uh, something the Texas Nationalist Movement has been doing recently. Mm-hmm. You heard, okay. heard about this? Where they're suing people. Uh, let's talk about that. But what's number two? I want to hear what the number two is. Oh, the, the number three, three. <laughs> actually would be uh, this year in free state history. Mm, let's go with the Texas nationalist movement. Definitely interested in what those guys are doing. Are you referring to their Facebook lawsuit? Uh, no. Actually, no. they started doing something else. Mm. Uh, apparently what they're doing, like, they, they, people keep uh, saying, oh, you guys are traitors. Are you guys, uh, that's illegal. You can't do that. So uh, they're, I guess they're going to be suing people for defamation uh, who I'm – not, I'm not advocating doing this, by the way. But yeah. they're, they're going to be suing people for defamation uh, if, they, if they call you a traitor for being part of the TNM. 
It's an interesting thing. Now, now, just to be clear, I'm pretty sure they're not just going to be targeting your average Joe on, you know, some Internet website. But I'm pretty sure uh, that they're going to be going after the high profile statists, the people who would absolutely use the court system against them if they had the opportunity. Uh, Like there's there's a specific state representative in Texas who has made a target out of the Texas nationalist movement and has been talking a major trash about them so you know if if the opponent is willing to use the state i i mean personally i wouldn't want to do it necessarily but i don't see anything immoral per se about turning the guns back on them and saying look this is the state you want all right well we'll give you some state here's uh here's a suit for uh for libeling us so what daniel white uh, i guess the president of the texas nationalist movement he's, daniel Miller. he's put it was I'm sorry, Dan, Daniel Miller. They were he was talking about a state rep who keeps badmouthing them. But yeah. what he was saying was that if he if he badmouths them uh, on the floor of the state house, then there's not much they can do because that, that that's covered. Like you're allowed to say anything on the floor mm, of the state house, right? But if he says it on his like I guess on his Twitter feed or yeah. a conversation or whatnot, then they can come after him under Texas law, I guess. And so that's that's what they say they're going to be doing. Yeah, I think that's interesting because, you know, one of the things we learned during the uh, New Hampshire attempt to get secession on the ballot last year, I should say the first attempt because there will hopefully be another one coming soon, uh, maybe as soon as this coming session next year. But during that attempt, uh, of course, the same accusations were trotted out against those of us who support peaceful independence for New Hampshire and they said this is treason. They said the federal government's going to come after us and, you know, so on and so forth. And then what ended up happening was there was a woman whose actual name is Karen who decided she was going to. This was after the bill was already shut down at the state house. It was over. You know, the state yeah. was that was all done with. It was over the summertime. She filed a, a complaint with what they call the ballot law commission. And she essentially said, this is treason. These state reps who voted to, by the way, the state reps were just voting to put this on the ballot, just put the question of declaring independence on the ballot. They weren't voting for independence. Right. They were voting to put it to the people. Anyway, she says, this is treason. You should prohibit these people from ever holding office in New Hampshire again. And what the ballot law commission did was they had a meeting. This woman came. She spoke. There's full video of this at the Freekeen Odyssey channel over at video.freekeen.com. Just look at last summer. Look for Karen, and you'll uh, find it probably Karen and Secession or something like that. And uh, they had a guy from the... Uh, attorney general's office here in new hampshire now these are the the lawyers right that these are the lawyers that do things like prosecute people yeah. okay so they had this guy in there and he's one of the assistant attorneys general and he spoke to the this panel and they specifically had him address this question of are we talking about a treasonous act here what can be done about this and he said no this is not treason because it doesn't involve violence so like, this is crystal clear. This is not some question mark. It's not uncertain. Peaceful independence is not a a call to violence against the federal government. Right. And so, therefore, it cannot be labeled as treasonous. There's a couple other words they were throwing around, too, and they're not coming to me at the moment, but that were sort of similar well, to treason. I've always struggled. What is the definition of treason? Do you know? I'll have to pull it up for you. But it involves the use of violence. That much I remember in an attempt to, like— undermine or overthrow uh the status quo or the state 
And so because there was no actual threat of violence involved here, it didn't qualify. So therefore, there's no way they could bring any kind of charges against these state reps. And the Ballot Law Commission kicked this thing right out. They shut this Karen right down. And, Captain, you have the the definition. Yeah, just the quick search says, uh, the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. Yeah, yeah, sedition. That was the other one that I was thinking of. There's a couple of other words that sort of usually get thrown around with uh, with treason, and sedition, I think, was another one, which, again, has to do with uh, rebellion. And when you look at rebellion, you'll find that rebellion has to do with using violence. Sedition right? is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. Yeah, yeah. Rebellion is usually armed resistance, physical armed yeah. resistance against the status quo. So they literally had absolutely nothing uh, with which to go on. And that is what's going to – that's why Texas Nationalist Movement is bringing the suit against this state rep. They're saying, look, you are saying these things about us, and they are demonstra- demonstrably false. And you in a position of your quote-unquote leadership as a state representative should be held to account for lying about your own constituents yeah. in this particular case and essentially uh, libeling them in, in public. Now, whether they will get any kind of monetary damages out of this, I, I don't know, right, right. but it could result in some, some publicity. It could result in some, some news media coverage. How did you pick up on it, Dave? Are you just following their, uh, their updates and it happened to pop in, or were they actually already getting news? coverage about this ridley oh we might have lost him dave ridley? ridley going once dave ridley going twice well still good topic glad you brought it up definitely a big fan of what they're doing over there with the texas nationalist movement there's a lot that we can learn from that they're doing yeah. in uh, texas that we can learn from here in new hampshire because this uh da- this uh, daniel miller the guy that's sort of running the ship down there he's been at this for three decades almost oh i mean he started yeah he started in the 90s he must have been like i seen his name popping up around this topic and so it's like i okay yeah and it's a pretty common name i actually know several other dan Dan millers yeah (laughs) he must have been uh, fresh out of high school or college or something because he's not an old i mean might be in his early 50s or something like that so he's been doing this for his basically his whole adult life so the guy's got more experience at doing secession things than I think hardly anyone else on the planet. It really warms my heart to see secession movements, plural. Yeah, yeah. You know, not just the one here in New Hampshire. You know, there's Texas. There was uh, Cal Exit. There was still is Cal Exit. Uh, still, I'm, I'm just you know, yeah. uh, there have been a, a number of these things that have popped up uh, just in the last oh I don't know five years or so. Right. I can't think of, uh, you know, always in the back of my head, there was always this sort of wives tale about Texas is the only state in the union that can secede from the United States, like, hey, that's false. which is false. Right. It turns out it's false. But like that was always a sort of a wives tale growing up. And I was like, well, how is that even possible? Like, how can how can one state have that ability and not the others? But uh, I, it really warms my heart to know that we're not the only people thinking that Peaceful separation, peaceful independence, you know, is the right way to go here because the federal government cannot continue. Mathematically, it is impossible for it to continue. Its days are numbered. I don't know if it's numbered in dozens, hundreds, thousands, but at some point the federal government thugs are going to be disbanded. And I don't want to see it happen by violence. I don't think that's uh, the answer. 
Yeah, I don't think that's the answer. I think they're going to end up likely disbanding themselves just through economics because, you know, it doesn't look good on the immediate horizon. Well, sadly, they're going to screw a whole bunch of people because of that. Right. Uh, Everybody who's not checking out of the USD uh, in some way, shape or form, uh, I think, is doing themselves a disservice. You, you sure. can continue to interact on a daily basis. You need to, you know, I don't know, go grocery shopping or put gas in your car. You're fine paying for that stuff with the USD. But if you're holding on to it, thinking you're saving and that it's going to be worth what it's worth now, a little no, bit later, no, you're wrong. No, you you're absolutely attention. wrong. You're not paying attention. You're not reading the, the you're, you're not studying economics. You're not following the pattern, right? Get your dollars the heck out of USD, put it into something else. Put it into I don't care. It's guns, almost like ammunition, a, real estate, something. It's almost like a, a form of personal secession, right? Like you're seceding from the use of the dollar. Yes. In that particular case, you're stepping away from using that as often as you possibly can. Now, it's it's not possible to go, or it's very difficult, I guess I should say, to go 100% out very. of the dollar. But it can be done. Uh, Joel Valenzuela, for instance, who's a free stater that moved here maybe close to a decade ago, yes. he started in 2015 uh, after he got settled here in New Hampshire. He's been a crypto guy. He works for Dash, actually. And uh, so he gets paid in Dash, and he's managed to cultivate and find all of these different tools that allow him to use exclusively cryptocurrency and specifically Dash to essentially live his entire life. Now, some of them you would probably qualify as a cheat because you're like, for instance, like with a crypto debit card. Right. Or uh, like the gift card thing. The gift card thing where, you know, you go to bitrefill.com and you can order uh, gift cards that are obviously denominated in dollars, but you didn't actually touch dollars in order to pay for them. So your right. your hands are still clean, I would say, with that particular well, uh, technique. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, he wrote, The Internet of Money and Mastering Ethereum mm-hmm. uh, has been living off of cryptocurrency for at least a decade. That's impressive. Uh, and like he'll go out on his book tours and all that stuff, and he will not accept USD. He will Whoa. make he will make the the venues or whoever's having him speak or whatever. He'll be like, "Look, I can't Good for him. I can't touch the, the USD." He's like, "This is my thing. Yeah. It's what I do. I wrote these two books about it, and so I feel like I need to live it." And so he does the same thing. Um, didn't uh, Nudge uh, live off crypto for quite some time, or the is he nudge, still doing it? I believe he does his best on that. I'm not sure how principled or 100 percent or whatever he is on that but you're talking about a, a guy who is we had him uh, on the show a couple of times. yeah yeah he he's like a crypto traveler so uh, digital nomad might be the right term yeah. for that he's one of these guys that travels around all over the world and like goes and checks out the kind of the crypto scene and i think he actually was just recently at our he actually came to our crypto meetup this week here in Keene. he's back oh, in I new hampshire out. and uh he was just freshly back from the philippines yeah. apparently and did he go to like Sal- el salvador and venezuela he's and- been to those places i think i'm not sure about venezuela maybe yeah. uh but uh, he's definitely been to, i think el salvador and the I think he went down to the Caribbean where there's some islands. I think when he was here in the studio, he was talking about how he paid for all of his travel, at least, yeah. uh, with crypto, like his airfare and, you know, and, yeah. and any kind of, you know, Uber Where and there's stuff a like will, that. there's a way. I mean, as far as this crypto thing goes, it is getting harder than it has, or has ever been before. But I got to give some props. And, I, and by the way, this is not a sponsor. I am by no means like a fanatic for this company or anything like yeah. that. 
But I got to give props to Crypto.com for actually keeping their crypto debit cards in operation this year. This has been the year of the death of the crypto debit card in a lot of cases. Uh, there, are, For instance, Uphold.com had one. Yep. They shut theirs down. There's another one didn't, that I'm not thinking of. BlockFi. BlockFi is out yeah. of I think they're out of business. They're out of business completely, yeah. So theirs is gone. Uh, there's another one called WireX that I think was coming to the United oh, States. And guys, that's yeah. not happening now. Uh, and so the Crypto.com card, I think Coinbase may still have theirs, yeah, but I don't know. I think you're I, right. I'm not on Coinbase. I'm not yeah. on these, you know, not allowed to use it. wouldn't be allowed to use it even if I was, but I've heard a rumor they may still have theirs. And uh, BitPay shut theirs down. BitPay had one. And they closed down their cards. So, wow. I mean, that's like four or five cards that are completely gone. Now, they, they all say, we're looking at other banking options yeah. to see when we can come back. We're going to come back. But they haven't come back. Crypto.com was using the same bank right. that uh, I think both BitPay and Uphold were. Yeah. Uh, it was called Metropolitan Commercial Bank. They're located in New York. Big, you know, mega bank. Right. And uh, Metropolitan Commercial announced in January of this year that they are they were going to, in their bankers terms, uh, exit the crypto vertical, whatever that means. Okay, Basically, the segment of accounts that they had that were related to cryptocurrency, they were going to close them. And that's why all these guys went under as far as their crypto debit cards. So what you're saying is there's an opening in the market for a bank to come in. And swoop up all this business. Yeah, but the problem is they're scared to death. Look what happened earlier this year. What was it, March, when uh, these banks started failing? Yep. One of them was uh, FTX. Sil- no, it was Silvergate. And then there was another one that was like crypto friendly. And the feds targeted these crypto friendly banks. Yeah, yeah. And so you can't blame a bank for saying, well, we're just going to pass on that business. But crypto.com, the reason I wanted to give them some credit is not only is their crypto debit card still operating, despite was having been on the bank that was closing down all their crypto accounts, they announced that they'd found another bank, mm. and they found it before Metropolitan shut them down. Right. So they're actually transitioning their users from one bank to the next. From what I can tell, based on the email they sent out, there's no interruption in service there. So that, I think, deserves some kind of credit because everybody else just shut their, their card down. Agreed. So if you're looking for a debit card that's like crypto, what they would call crypto-fueled, uh, I don't think there's much else in the market besides crypto.com. I mean, they're not perfect, but they're there. <laughs> that counts for a lot these days. we got more Free Talk Live coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Yeah! 
The number is 603-283-6160. We were going to talk, and at some point we will talk about the surveillance. Or, or not. I mean, I would know. like to. The surveillance state. It's apparently expanding dramatically in a town in Wyoming, and we'll uh, get into that coming up here in a bit. But we were just talking about cryptocurrency as a tool to help people exit from the use of the dollar. Yes. The United States dollar. Do it now. uh, Before it completely hyperinflates and potentially crashes. These are things that could happen in the future. How near in the future? No one knows. But that is the destination historically for all what you would call fiat currencies is to fail and to take down the population's wealth with that failure. For people who don't know what fiat currency is, it's just a state currency that is backed by nothing. Yep, that's right. Which is what the U.S. dollar is right now. So uh, one of the things you can do to protect yourself is to consider, like we said, getting into cryptocurrency. And I'm a big fan of Dash, which is digital cash. And I'm not saying that because they sponsor the show. We went after Dash as a sponsor because I'm a big fan of what they do there. And they have sponsored us in the past as well. It's been like five years uh, since that happened. And the price of Dash has gone down quite a bit, actually, in that time. Of course, a lot of coins have gone down in price quite a bit. Everything is pretty much on sale right now, including Dash. Uh, but right now you can get a dash. I think for somewhere between thirty and forty bucks. It's been a few weeks since yeah. I've uh, since I've checked the price actively. But very very affordable. And one of the killer aspects of Dash is it's a cryptocurrency that's designed and focuses on actually being useful for spending. Uh, nobody, our our co-host, nobody and I were just having a discussion with one of the listeners in our chat room on the chat server at chat.freetalklive.com. Yeah. Uh, and this listener might best be described as a Bitcoin maximalist, someone who believes that Bitcoin is the one true coin and <laughs> he doesn't mind okay. paying a 70 cent fee or a 50 cent fee on top of his purchase because he sees that as quote unquote reasonable. And I am old enough to remember, you don't have to be that old to remember this because it was you know less than 10 years yeah. ago. But I'm old enough to remember when Bitcoin fees were less than one or two cents a transaction. And now it's like 50 cents is, I believe, the median transaction yeah. fee within the last few days. And if you're if you're buying a cup of coffee for $3 and then you have to spend 50 cents on top of that in order to spend Bitcoin, because for listeners that don't know, when you spend cryptocurrency, there's always a fee, a network fee right. on top on most cryptos on top of the actual cost of the thing you're buying. So if a cup of coffee is $3, and it might be getting hard to find a $3 cup of coffee these days, but if a cup of coffee is $3 and the fee is 50 cents on top of that in Bitcoin, there are very few people who are fanatical enough to be willing to spend that kind of fee. Yeah, There are some. Some Bitcoin fanatic out there might just say, Bitcoin's that important, and you know, spend 50 cents. But if it was a $5 fee, on top of your $3 cup of coffee, would the Bitcoin fanatic spend a $5 fee to buy their $3 cup of coffee? Mm. I suspect many more of them would yeah. be saying no at that point. And uh, and don't don't you know don't think for a moment that hasn't happened. It's happened more than once in the last several years where Bitcoin fees have gone to 5, 10 or even higher yeah. per per transaction. Now, I wasn't here the first time Dash sponsored Free Talk Live, yeah. but I was using Dash for a variety of things before they came back on board. That's right, you Be- were, yeah. Because it's fast. Yep. 
it's fast and like bam it's done there's no there. there's no done. pending yeah. there's no you got to wait 15 minutes to an hour nope. for the network to confirm there's no it's just done boom well, you'll get a confirmation on your typical dash transaction in two and a half minutes but you don't have to wait for the confirmation yeah. because it's irreversible so and the and dash has what's called chain locks technology so unlike most of the smaller coins out there which can easily be taken over by a 51 percent attack dash is protected from that uh, so they've done some really cool stuff to help ensure that Dash is really a useful currency. And there's all these cool tools like bitrefill.com. We mentioned that earlier. That allows you to spend Dash and get things like gift cards to buy gasoline in some cases. Or, or even, some gas stations. Even just groceries. gifts. Yeah, gifts, all kinds of different things. But like gas, groceries, these are things you can use to live off of. Yep. And Dash helps make that possible. Plus, at bitrefill.com, you can also get a discount with many of their gift cards there. So there's uh, some really cool stuff coming right in the very near future for Dash, including their integration into the Maya Protocol, which is a decentralized exchange. Now, it's just now starting to where they're accepting uh, what's called liquidity providing. So for people that have Dash already Mm -hmm. and they want to be part of this exchange by putting their dash up into the exchange essentially uh in a decentralized manner and uh and then potentially make a return on that dash there's there are ways to do that and you should look into the maya protocol and yeah there's some hoops you probably have to jump through to like you know get a wallet and things like that but uh, so that's what they're doing now they're taking on the liquidity from people that want to provide it and then at some point they're going to throw the switch and it'll be open for trading. So that, that way people will be able to trade from Bitcoin to Dash or Dash to Bitcoin and I think Ethereum and a couple of other things. So nice. very, very cool stuff without having to use a centralized exchange, which means no no know your customer, no showing ID, so none of that awesome. nonsense. So awesome. I so. The, the way to get around all of this you know, sort of government interference, you know, the throwing up roadblocks for cryptocurrency businesses and innovation, particularly here in the U.S. Uh, the way around it, of course, is to innovate around it. That's what's happening right use, now. Yep. Use the, the, the philosophy of decentralization to make the government unable to do anything about it. Right. That's how Bitcoin first started out. It was decentralized currency. Governments, businesses, banks could do nothing about it. It exists in violation of any government permission, and so do all these other cryptocurrencies, as long as they're decentralized. And so the the way to innovate around that is stuff like this with Dash yep. and, and the Maya protocol. I love it. I, uh, I'm, I've i been following this stuff very closely, even though I'm not allowed to use cryptocurrency under my bail conditions. You can still read articles I love and it. stuff, I, yeah, right? I love reading about this. Yeah. It's uh, The Maya protocol is actually a fork of what's called ThorChain. Oh. And ThorChain's been around for a few years. Yes, Maya just started sometime, I think, earlier this year. And uh, ThorChain was the first real decentralized exchange, as far as I'm aware of. Yeah. Because there have been, quote-unquote, decentralized exchanges for for a few years, if not several years at this point. But they've always been focused on just, like, Ethereum tokens. Right, yeah. Or tokens on some other blockchain, where you can exchange the tokens in a decentralized manner, but you can't swap Ethereum for another cryptocurrency right. like Bitcoin or vice versa. And ThorChain was the first to solve that problem, to cut out the middleman and make it so it's all code. And there were some bugs. There were some bumps in the road. Yeah. But uh, they've been pretty successful with it. And uh, they keep upgrading their system. So the Maya pr- protocol said, look, uh, we're friendly fork. Basically, we're, we love ThorChain, but we know that 
if Thorchain or when Thorchain takes off, it's not going to be able to handle the volume. So yeah. we think there should be a second exchange at this point that can take some of that that volume. Oh, and, what forethought and wow, add nice. and add different coins that Thorchain doesn't have. Yeah, and they'll be actually interactable. So if you have something on Thorchain and you want to get the thing on the Maya, you'll be able to swap twice essentially and go through one to the other. So Sweet. like the, the decentralized exchanges are also able to exchange with each other yeah. in a decentralized manner yeah. and it's just it's getting pretty cool out there as nice. far as the other the options for you know protecting your own value from the, the shout the out to all of the people who are coding this stuff yes and get out of the united states if you are a coder yeah. in the decentralized Sadly. uh finance world Luck, luckily maya protocol is actually south america based yeah. so how sad is it that in the the supposed land of the free that uh uh, yeah. People who want to interact peacefully and freely uh, need to exit the United States it's in order sad. to do so. And that's where it is now. Uh, by the way, Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on the centralized exchanges and now a decentralized exchange. It's in multi-crypto wallets all over the place. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks, by the way, to the Dash DAO, their decentralized autonomous organization, for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. Let's go to the phones here. We got Rob in Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So I don't think people have to run away and go to a different country in order to be able to, you know, live a long and fruitful life in their communities. You know well, what I mean? I mean, if you keep quiet, maybe the government won't bite your head off. But well, if you're going to be an activist, if you are especially going to be a cryptocurrency mm-hmm programmer or business person or entrepreneur or whatever then you are there's a target on your back like never before in the united states i wouldn't blame anybody who wanted to cut and run under that level of uh, of pressure i mean aria demezzo is sitting in prison right now uh she just completed by the way her first month yep. it's been one month since aria went to prison one month and i think one day at this point and she is sitting in prison in federal you know, it's a camp, so it could be a lot worse than what it is, but it's prison. She's not free to go and do what it's she wants to do. Yeah, it's still prison. She is locked away for what could be as many as 18 months. Her sentence is 18 months, and that is simply for a paperwork violation, a cryptocurrency-related paperwork violation where the federal thugs said, you didn't have our permission slip, even though there's nothing in the law their own precious rules, their own statutes, their U.S. code, nothing that says anything about cryptocurrency, right. anything about cryptocurrency. But yet, despite the fact there's nothing in there, she's sitting in a prison cell. So I'm sorry, Rob, I, I don't agree with you on on this. I think if you're keeping quiet, then yeah, you can have a nice, quiet life in the United States. But if what you're saying is in any way a threat to the status quo, you can expect the status quo to take notice. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the absolute opposite. What I'm saying is is that around the United States, okay, we have communities, we have towns, we have counties, and amongst all of those towns and come out uh, and those communities there are bad people, mm-hmm. and those bad people are the ones that, you know, oversee 
all of our communities, like your mayors, sure. your uh, sheriff, the police, and all those people are all they're all covered by qualified immunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and right. I think that the people sort of understand that, you know, because I talk with a lot of different people mm-hmm. about qualified immunity. Well, maybe and, that can change at some point. I mean, I I, th- I think you may be correct about this point, Rob, in that people are more aware now, I think, than 10 years ago about qualified immunity. I don't know how much more aware. I don't know if you went on the man on the street and it's it, you are saying you've talked to people, but it would be interesting to you know talk to people who are not like political types. Because I think within the right. political scene, people who pay attention to the issues and vote or whatever, I think there is a greater awareness of qualified immunity. I think that the George Floyd situation with Black Lives Matter in 2020 brought more of that to the forefront, yeah. more awareness of police abuse and things like that. And I think that ultimately that that is a good thing and that hopefully we will see some political reform, if not the abolishment of qualified immunity. But it hasn't happened yet. It's still there. It's still in place. In fact, as of the last couple of years, the Manchester, New Hampshire Police Department was advertising it as a perk of the job. If you were to get a job with Manchester PD, you'd be qualified immunity. They put it in their ad. Yeah. And right. they un- they did undo it after some public pressure, so that is an indicator that there is at least enough people who are upset about this to put some pressure on them. Uh, but right. uh, I get what you're saying, Rob. Right. Well, well, I mean, the thing of it is, is that you know, the public sees all of what's going on with the fraud, and the corruption, and stuff. But the people have to be able to grow a backbone, and you know, because those people are the ones that. They pay all the taxes. They're all the people that lose in the end. You know, uh, I mean, the public has to speak up a little bit more. You have to start naming names. I mean, the people that break these laws and harm peaceful people, you know, like Detective Jim F. McLaughlin, like the mayor of your team, George Hansel. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem is, even if you name the names, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong, Rob. I mean, certainly there's nothing wrong with calling out a thug for being a thug. But the problem is, even if you just name the names and those people get kicked out of office, the people who take over their positions are also just as corrupt. They're just as bad. And that is the nature of power. I mean, this is something that has been studied for a very long time. And Rob, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. It's something that has been studied. Uh, scientifically, and we've read you know many stories about this over the years, that power absolutely is a corrupting influence on human beings, even if even if you are not a power seeking person, you're not a corrupted person. Right. If you have power, if you are given power, and the odds are it will corrupt. That's what they found with people. Now, there may be a uh, rare... The Milgram experiment, yeah. the Stanford prison experiments, yeah. uh, those are just the first two I can think of. Right, and there's been, there have been others as well. But uh, you know, there may be the rare human, like a Ron Paul or something, that somehow managed to resist the temptations to wield the, the power that he had, but... The other 534 of them sure as hell were not able to resist it. Most of them probably did not want to resist it. They got the job because they wanted the power. They were seeking it. They they feel good when they are given power. They want to wield it. It, it yeah. makes them 
you know, pleasurable to do that. And it's a sickness. It really is. So the only way to deal with this stuff isn't to name the names, but to somehow end the power. Now, how we get from here to there, that is an excellent question. I know, Captain, you are no fan of the voting system or working within the system, but how we get from here to where there's no more positions of power starts with education in it, my eyes. It absolutely does cuz first of all you're never going to get anyone to vote differently unless they're, you know, they're right. thinking differently. So, it whatever way it goes, people have to have a shift in their mindset. This is a, you know, I've used the term renaissance to describe this. I think that there needs to be a renaissance in thought about power and the and its nature and and the fact that we don't want it that it's not desirable that it doesn't help humanity that it actually holds us back giving people power because these are not angels they are not angels and they, they it, look if you think people are good by nature and i do i tend to think people are good most of them are good they're willing to work together. They're trading. They're friendly. They're not killing each other in the streets. I think most people are good by nature. If you think people are good by nature, then we obviously don't need government, right? Because people are good. We don't need somebody to rule over them. If you think people are evil by nature, then that's the reason, a very strong reason to not have government. Right. Because then you know those mo- the most evil of those evil people are going to go for those seats of power. It is not going to be the select good people in that evil group of people. Yeah. Uh, to me, voting is just uh, a way for people to remain indoctrinated, hmm. right? It, it gives them the, the false belief that, that they somehow are in control of it all, right? That, oh, well, we're the people. We're the government. We're no, the government. we're not. Yeah. No. We are not. We never have been. We never will be. The, what it's going to take, you're, you're absolutely correct. You hit it on the head, is a change in thought. Big time. Right. The same change in thought that occurred when overt slavery ended. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, some will say, well, there's still overt slavery. Okay. In like two places or something like that. Right. So, but for most of the world, that thought has been eliminated. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take that same sort of social movement, that change of thought that happened to abolish overt slavery to abolish government. People just need to realize that it's a horrible idea. It's antique. It's barbaric. Uh, Forcing your opinion on other people is always wrong. I don't care how big or small it is. No doubt. Let's go to uh, Skeeter in California who wants to grow the government. Uh, Go ahead, Skeeter. Yeah. So, uh, oh, man, I was just going to respond to something Captain just said right now. What did you just last say again? I forgot. (laughs) Man, you need to have a longer uh, attention span, maybe, Skeeter. Maybe lay off the weed, man. I mean, he's literally the most well-named caller. I mean, I think about the attention span of a mosquito, right? It's got to be very, very, very short. Uh, go ahead, Skeeter. Okay, so anyways, I forgot what he said, but I'm primarily calling in to argue about uh, secession and national defense again, so don't hang up until I get to that part, but... In response don't to tell me what another, to do, Skeeter. Yeah, you I don't take well. I, I don't know what yeah, show you I think mean, you're calling, but if you start telling people what to do, this is the wrong show. Yeah, bro. what what about secession? What about it? Oh, I, I remember I remember what Captain said. Except kids, right? Right, Captain? <laughs> no. Huh? But uh when people but, don't, uh, don't impose their will on somebody. What? You know, except kids, right? When when parents impose their will on kids, that's okay though, right? Uh I, I stand by what I said. Oh, so parents aren't allowed to uh, impose their will on kids. Forcing your your will upon other people is always wrong, no matter how big or small. 
even if they're kids or like retards or um, mentally handicapped or like, like you like that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that doesn't hurt because I'm not. No, I but don't think you I are. Mean, but I mean, you I mean sometimes you say the most ridiculous things, yeah. man. Sometimes you say the most ridiculous. He is things. from California, so I mean, oh, I'm that sorry. is a handicap. I'm I sorry, I, I I forget yeah. about that yeah. all the time. I'll give you a little yeah. slack because you're from California. Yeah, let's just avoid that question. Let's move on. Okay, so but in response to Cap- uh, an earlier Captain comment, I just wanted to quickly add that it's not math- a mathematical certainty that government will collapse in our lifetime. I didn't say it was no, going to be in the our US lifetime. dollar will collapse. I didn't even say that was within our lifetime. I said it could be thousands of days. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to be. It's it's mathematically impossible for the US dollar to uh, remain without hyperinflating. It's just not going it's just impossible. I didn't make a point really, but uh, okay, so it's not a mathematical certainty What's that new? government class in our lifetime meant that doing dumb things like repealing drug wars and wars could prolong government's life long enough for a big big enough technological development uh, to uh, can perpetuate government for several more generations, just like with. So that's what you want. You want government to you know remain for several more generations. That's what you want by repealing drug wars. That's not what I want. And war and fighting war and. Uh, what I want is people down. to wake up and realize that government is unnecessary to society. Most people believe that society and government are the same thing. Mm. They're not. They're two different things. Yes, yeah, society, society is voluntary. Is voluntary. Force. It's just people interacting together as a community with each other. Government, however, is force. It's violence. That doesn't happen when people are comfy. You need a. You need some type of event. That that uh, makes them uncomfortable. Well, that much I think is true. I think that, uh, you know, for instance, inflation is getting worse. Yeah, like uh, hyperinflation, are, for example, might be the events that it takes. I don't know. People are definitely getting less comfortable, and I think that's also true for what's going to take to flip the scales on secession. Since he did bring up secession as a topic. Uh, if people are comfortable with their lives, then they're less likely to take the idea of leaving the United States seriously. If, however, they realize that the United States federal thugs are the ones that are causing the greatest harm to their lives. And they are. Then they will maybe change their mind about this. However, your idea, Skeeter, is to just essentially do nothing, right? So the government gets worse faster and then more people get hurt and therefore no. they're, they're going to change their mind. Is that what your viewpoint is? Do nothing. I'm accelerating. You remember the movie? What are you uh, doing to accelerate? Uh, just voting for irresponsible voting. projects like the like California. Okay, uh, that's basically doing like nothing. That. Well, I that, that doesn't sound like doing nothing to me or voting for okay. war. Maybe uh, voting other, is essentially nothing. Uh, other than voting, what are you doing to accelerate? Uh, well, accelerate. I can. I try to lower revenue too. So maybe vote for. Uh, well, that's you know, vote for higher tax rates. Voting. Uh, or, uh, other voting. than voting. Yeah. What are you, or what can other people do? Try to get out of the system, you know. What what can other people do to accelerate the demise? Uh, Just, you know, work within the system, take as much benefits, apply for PPP loans, you know, things like that. Okay, so so did you do that? Did you apply for the PPP loans? I don't qualify. I I didn't qualify. Are you taking welfare? I don't qualify for that either. So, oh, I would, man. I would so all you can do is vote. That must be really di- that must be really disappointing. If if you know your goal is to accelerate the growth of the state, and all you can do is just cast a vote once every four years. Yeah, you think the state's just going to fall over because of this? Thanks for the call, Skeeter. The number is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Wow, what a character! I mean, it, you know, it, to his credit, he keeps calling. But He's like something, all right. 
and maybe that's something that he can do. Right? He is you talking know? about it. So, that is true. That that's, is true. That's fine. He claims that his end goal is the same as ours. He wants to see the government go no, away. I don't know but I don't believe him. No. See, there's a means to an end. And if your means is to encourage violence, if your right. means is to encourage the war on drugs, which is just victimizing countless, I mean, millions of innocent people, and you're just fine with that? That's sick. Hour two's coming up. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Buckshot Esquire, authentically. You can join us on the air here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, we still have to talk about a Wyoming town, Captain, that you wanted to share with us that is dramatically, apparently expanding the surveillance state. And then I have a related story about the Department of Homeland Security, which, of course, is doing that on a nationwide level. Uh, but first, we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. That is one of the things we do. We open up the phones whenever we're on the air here on Free Talk Live. Let's go to Joe in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, hi, Ian. Hi, uh, Captain. You're both hey. in my prayers, as always. Thanks. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, how, how do you buy Dash? I was looking online. They said there's like a app. That, I think it was a Coinbase app or something like that. That's one way you can do it. Out. Yeah. Um, there are myriad of ways to purchase data. There are. You can uh, find people that will sell it to you person to person. That's my preferred method. Uh, if you don't have a community of these people, uh, perhaps you can start one. Uh, start a crypto meetup in, in your community. Advertise in places, uh, you know, social media. Craigslist, that type of a thing. That's the most private way to do it if you're just buying it from another individual. If you go through a system like Coinbase, and this applies to more than just Dash, yeah. this applies to any cryptocurrency. If you go to Coinbase and you buy stuff, it's all on the record. So, for instance, the IRS was recently in the news for going to Kraken, I believe it was, or Coinbase. Mm-hmm. I think they did Coinbase first. I don't know, maybe it was Kraken first. I forget. Years ago, they went to one of them, and they yeah. demanded a bunch of information about their customers, and now they're doing it again, um, and they're demanding uh, information about customers that have purchased more than $20,000 worth of cryptocurrency. That doesn't mean that if you've purchased less than $20,000 that you're safe. They can obviously subpoena information specifically about individuals that they want to know about. So... Uh, if, if you want to be off the record, there are better ways to do it than going through Coinbase, and certainly the individual-to-individual method is 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 certainly better. There are also some uh, smaller companies that will allow for this, as I understand it, and I have not personally 
done this, but as I understand it, Edge Wallet does have some ways to purchase cryptocurrency directly in the wallet. So Edge Wallet's a longtime, uh, well, we're longtime fans of Edge Wallet here yeah. on Free Talk Live. Probably, the, probably one of the most useful cryptocurrency use wallets out there. And uh, and that is something where you can just download an app to your smart device, whether you're Apple or Android user, just search for Edge Wallet. Uh, it's two words in your app store. Download that, create an account. And I believe there's multiple different ways within that Edge Wallet to purchase cryptocurrency. Now, they usually you're going to have to probably go through some sort of know your customer procedure. But we're not talking about Coinbase, which is one of the mega companies out there. We're talking about likely much right. smaller operations that will maybe connect to your bank account and that kind of thing. Yeah. The other way that you might consider, well, two ways, actually. One, uh, if you have a skill or you know a side business, you might just consider earning it. Yeah, that's always a great way to do it. Uh, the other thing that you can do is you, if you have something to sell, you can put it on Craigslist mm -hmm. and say, hey, I accept cryptocurrency. I'm looking for Dash. Uh, Craigslist is uh, an underused tool, I think, in my opinion, in the cryptocurrency community. Or just take any old thing and then uh, convert it if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. But they have a, a thing. If you go and you search like the for sale section, mm -hmm. uh, like say you're looking for a used car or something, uh, there's a little box you can check that says cryptocurrency okay. Does it say cryptocurrency? I thought it used to just be Bitcoin. No, it says cryptocurrency okay. okay. That's cool. And then you have to hit the apply button. Once you do that, it's only going to show you ads for people who, in theory, will accept cryptocurrency for whatever it is they're selling. And so you mm, could take advantage awesome. of that by putting an ad up for whatever it is. You know, I don't know. You got something used that you don't need anymore. Or, you know, you got two of or whatever. I put it up for sale and accept cryptocurrency. Another way, which is less likely to be utilized, is to mine it. There are certain cryptocurrencies that are what you call mineable. And to in order to mine crypto, it does require some level of hardware geekery. Yeah. You do have to be able to, you know, operate a computer uh, you do have to have, I would say, an advanced maybe level, intermediate to advanced level of computer operation ability in order to do crypto mining. So if that's not something that you qualify, then just go ahead and toss that idea away. But if if it is something that you can handle, then mining essentially turns electricity into cryptocurrency without any kind of uh, awareness of any government agency at all. There are a couple of other ways that you might already have at your disposal without having to jump through other hoops. Uh, PayPal does allow mm -hmm. you to purchase, I think it's just Bitcoin at this point. I think they might have a couple but, of others. But once you have Bitcoin, you can go on uh, an exchange and exchange mm -hmm. that for Dash. Uh, what was the other way? I don't remember the uh, other There's a few of them out uh, there. Don't, yeah, don't they, they have that should get you started. There are some vending machines as well that yeah. do exist. Some of them have Dash. Again, most of them have Bitcoin. Probably 99.9% .9 of them are Bitcoin vending machines that may have you know, Litecoin or sure. something else uh, attached to it. But the bulk of the sales are going to be in Bitcoin. And so you could find any one of those machines, go and buy Bitcoin, and then flip that into Dash or Monero or whatever it is that you want to do. And there's a ton of exchanges That'll allow you to do that stuff. So this is definitely something that you can dig as deep oh, into as you want to. I remember the second one, um, Cash App. Mm -hmm. It's an unadvertised feature of theirs, but they do have a cryptocurrency option in there. I wouldn't call okay. it unadvertised. I mean, Cash App did a big rollout of that years well, ago, and they okay advertised for a little while and then yeah. never advertised again. Maybe but it, I think it still exists. 
Yeah, it's definitely still there. Uh, Joe, I hope that helps. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. One more thing. And you talk, and you spoke, I think, about Monero being a good coin. And why why do you say that? Okay, I just want to make clear. I don't make recommendations on what people should buy as far as coins. I don't know what's going to be good as far as value is concerned. The thing that I like about Monero, and when I say value, I mean dollar value or whatever, monetary value. The thing I like about Monero, the thing that makes it a good coin to me, is that it is a privacy coin. It is the world's most premier, the most popular privacy coin. There are probably dozens of privacy coins out there that are focused on not being public with your money, not being public with how much Monero you have or your transactions. Bitcoin, Dash, a lot of these other ones, they don't have that. Well, I guess I should take it back. Dash does have a private send option. But most of the other ones, the Bitcoins, the Bitcoin Cash, a lot of the other ones in the world, uh, they are completely public. Every transaction is available to anyone who wants to go look at the blockchain and see every transaction that has ever happened. I mean, it'd be hard to look at them all at once. But you can look at any wallet of any Bitcoin user and you can see how much Bitcoin is in that wallet. And you can see when the last time they sent Bitcoin was. When every time was that they sent or received Bitcoin was. And Monero does not have that ability. You cannot be some stranger and just go and look up a wallet of anybody. Only the person who authorized, I believe, the transaction and maybe the person who received the transaction can see any data about that transaction. Anyone on the outside has no idea. Uh, And from what I understand, that has not been cracked. The federal government would very much like to crack Monero. (laughs) Why wouldn't they? But they have not yet been able to do so. So that's one reason I think Monero is a very good uh, cryptocurrency. Okay, and do you have the correct spelling of Monero? M-O-N-E-R-O. Monero. I believe it's a foreign foreign word. I forget which language it is. Yeah, it's for money. Thank you, Joe, for the call. I hope that gets you started. Thanks for your help, Yeah, get out there and start digging around on the internet. I mean, there's a zillion videos and websites and uh, as many opinions as well. You mentioned something about being able to operate a computer. And, man, do I take that for granted? Just yeah. the the ability to like know where the start button is right. and, and you know yeah. what a browser is and that kind of thing. I was uh, I was pitching my EP to this young couple who are I don't know early twenties okay. at best, maybe even younger than that. Uh, just some random people that I bumped into, uh, and uh, and they're like, "Oh, that sounds really great," but we don't even own a computer. What? They're just smartphone users or yeah, something? Yeah, that's it. All they got is their phones. They don't uh, have a laptop. They don't have a can't desktop. Can't even plug a USB into that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, uh, talk to you later. Well, they can just download yeah, the album. Yeah, I right? told them, you know, hey, I'm on Spotify. They're like, oh, yeah. we'll look you up on Spotify. There you go. Right? Yeah. You know? yeah. So, like, they knew what that was immediately. Right. But, like, they wow. were just like, uh, we don't even own a computer, dude. Yeah, Bonnie, who is, you know, <laughs> on the line between Gen Z and Millennial, yeah. uh, she's, like, hurts when she has to use a full keyboard. <laughs> she she gripes about using this and now to be fair the computer that we have in the studio does have a smaller keyboard than normal it's not the full one with like the numeric pad on the the right hand yeah, side it doesn't I, have I, that I, I missed the numeric pad but she hates that it doesn't have like the flat keys that you get on a laptop and yep. she just it, it's just not within her wheelhouse you know yeah way to make a feel a guy feel old <laughs> Uh, thank you, Joe, for the call tonight. I do appreciate it. I, I remember my grandmother having the old school long throw 
uh, like cast iron typewriter. Oh yeah, in yeah, the yeah. basement, and yep. it was so difficult to type on one of those. I remember those. Uh, and I'm a non-traditional type. I'm a I'm a hunt and peck yeah. kind of guy. I use my two index fingers and my thumbs, and I get by. I get like sixty words a minute. Or my something parents when had I have one to. of those. I think at one point, but. It wasn't long after that that they got one of those automatic typewriters where there was like yeah. a screen and you could type out, I don't know if it was one line or whatever at a time. I don't remember the restriction on it. It was like a couple of words or, you know. No, I think it was a few more than a couple. Oh, the first you, one I ever saw was just, I think it was 20 characters. Oh, wow. And so you would type and before it actually printed on the paper, because it was, it looked like a standard typewriter, mm-hmm. but it had the little screen on it. It yeah. was made of plastic, of course. Uh, and it had the little digital readout screen, yeah. much like a calculator. And so what it did is it put whiteout out of business because yeah. now you could see what you were typing before it an- hit the paper and make your spelling and punctuation corrections yep. before spell check even existed. Kids listening are like, like whiteout? Like, what's that? What's whiteout? Because I think a kid today would probably know probably what a typewriter is if they'd seen it in a museum or something like right. that or they're at their Look grandma's at that. It's house. an old laptop. Right. <laughs> they're, they're at their grandma's <laughs> house. But there's almost no chance that they know what whiteout is. Yeah. Uh, kids, just so you know, uh, whiteout was a little bottle of actual, like, what they would call, I think one of the brand names was liquid paper, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think it was actually paper. I don't know what the hell it was. It's basically some, white Some chemical. Paint. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that you essentially would then, you make a mistake with your typewriter you got to go through and you physically white out the mistake that you made. You have to let it dry. Yeah. Then you can go back and type over it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Painstaking process Very of much so. error correction. Uh, I remember art class uh, where we used to actually cut, copy, and paste <laughs> from like newspapers to like make whatever it was that the art teacher wanted us to make. Have you heard uh, the, the critique that the icons that you see on computers, like on a word processor now, the save icon looks like a floppy disk, yeah. typically. And the critique of that is that it doesn't resonate with younger people. Right, what does know that, what that mean? Is. What is this yeah. icon? What, what does it even? What does it represent? Uh, it's save, but what is it? You know, like, I'm I'm fine with that changing over time mm-hmm. if humans no yeah. longer, you know. But what should it be? That's my question. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what best represents save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, a safe a icon memory chip something? Yeah, I, I don't you know. know. I, I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, these days, hard drives are going away at this point. Uh, there's now something called an M2, which I learned about in recent recent years. It's only new as of, as of recent years, but yeah. I only learned about it probably within the last couple of years. Um, I inherited uh, this laptop. Sadly, our our tech guy passed away of cancer, right. and I learned that it had these uh, M2 drives in it. So okay. there used to be hard drives that would spin real, real fast, right? right? Like they had a magnetic. There's a magnetic hard drives. These yep. have been around for decades now. They've been getting you know better and larger over time and cheaper, and that's great. But anything that's got motion in it, anything that's mechanical, going to break down. It's going to break at some point. Uh, and so they came out with these things called uh, SDDs, which are standard drives. No, or solid, standard, solid, solid state, state solid yeah. state drives. Direct drive, I believe. Yeah, like that. which are essentially computer memory yep. that is, uh, it stays when the computer turns off. Normally, when your computer is on, it's got what's called RAM, and you know you've heard about all oh, sixty-four gigabytes of RAM. That's temporary random access memory yeah that's temporary ram that you do things with your computer on but these solid state drives you could you can save files to and there's no physical platter there's no mechanical device and so 
it's not going to break down in the same way, but they do still have limited life have you, lifespans. Have you seen... Now they're smaller. What I'm telling you, Captain, is now the sol- solid disk drives we're talking about yeah. are like, they look just like a computer chip, like a RAM chip, and you just mount them to your, your motherboard, and they're super fast. Have like, you seen crazy the, fast. the amount of data that can now be handled on like a micro SD? It's got to be up to a terabyte. It's now. Pe- it's beyond terabyte uh-huh. now, and I'm like, what is it now? What's the highest? I, I don't. I, a terabyte. I okay, think. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. I was just shocked because I still have some that are like 64 gig, like for a, yeah. like a sport camera that I own. I've yeah, got still a, more than enough for most applications. I've got a, uh, a sort of a, a field recording multi track board uh, made by Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not the. Uh, well, they might be the same company as the meeting company, but anyway. Um, it takes a micro SD card, and if you read the manual, it says maximum of sixty-four gigs. But if you put any other, it'll anything, take it. It'll take it. Yeah. Okay. As long as it's formatted right, it'll it'll That's take good. it. And so now I've just got this ginormous amount of memory in this multi-track device that I have that I'm never going to use it all. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty great. It's though. pretty amazing. You gotta you gotta hand it to uh, the tech people for continuing to develop this amazing stuff. Anyway, the number if you want to join us here, it's six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. I don't think we went too far down the rabbit hole there. Uh, just you know, talking a little bit about the advancements because you know you and I've been around long enough to where we remember the old hard drives. It was yeah. like, whoa, there's a gigabyte on there. Wow, that's really expensive. Two hundred and fifty six k. You know, you'll never need more than six hundred and forty k, Captain. I still have nightmares about the sound of modems. Do you really? No, but oh, okay. like, like whenever I think about it, I'm like, God, that was an ugly sound. It really was. It was just like they could have come up with something better, right? But no, they couldn't have because it was digital information. Going over an analog. Over an line. analog medium. And so it needed to make sound to make the connection. Yep. So It's amazing stuff, though, yeah. really. I mean, I when I was a kid, I, I didn't... I was calling what they called BBSs back in the day, bulletin, bulletin board boards, systems. Yeah. Uh, this is pre-internet, folks. Yeah. This is where you would use your modem on your computer to call another computer's modem, usually in the same town. You didn't want to go outside of the same uh, calling area because then you'd be paying long distance <laughs> and it can get really expensive. But uh, you know, you call up this other computer, and it would you could leave messages for people and yeah. uh, download files and things like that. But you know, when I heard that noise, it was like exciting, right? Because something was something new was coming, mm. right? There was going to be some that this was this was the indicator that something was going to happen. Sort of oh. like how there's like a notification icon. Today. Like, oh, get ready! Yeah, yeah, I yeah, got yeah, you. yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, Interesting. Join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Something that is not exciting is the negative side of technology, and that, of course, is being utilized by the government thugs of the world. And, Captain, you had a story relating to this tonight coming out of, of all places, Wyoming, which I'm surprised to hear Wyoming is leading the charge in Orwellian monitoring of a population considering wyoming is ostensibly one of the freer places you would think right like small population freedom-minded people living out there it was the number two choice for the free state project on the free state projects uh rankings when they voted for the states new hampshire of course blew it out of the water but wyoming was number two uh so this from daily wire nationwide ai mass surveillance system takes root in another state a national mass surveillance system boosted by artificial intelligence took root. Uh, the town council of Jackson, Wyoming, agreed in a close vote last month 
to install the 30 solar-powered license plate recognition cameras along their streets and traffic lights, which feeds into a centralized surveillance system managed by the private company Flock Safety. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned Flock Safety once before on this show. Uh, The town is the first in the state of Wyoming to install these cameras. Council members who agreed to the measure expressed reluctance with their decision. Councilman Jonathan Schechter indicated his belief that the cameras marked a negative trend down an undesirable path, echoing your sentiment, Ian, about, you know, Wyoming being, you know, sort of a more freedom-minded area. Mm -hmm. I don't like this particular arc of this particular part of history, said Schechter. I'm screaming stop, but I voted yes. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, he says, uh, I'm sorry, I misquoted. I'm screaming stop as I vote yes. What? Yeah, I, I have no idea why he would vote yes for this thing. Uh, I mean, why? <laughs> he's concerned with monitoring, and he's voting for monitoring. He's getting some kind of payoff. I this mean, is, what is this? How? I have no idea. This is this is the, the oxymoronicism that occurs in statism, <laughs> right? Uh, statism makes you do things that are against principle. If you're a principled person... Or a person with some morals or, you know, personal ethics or something like that. Hmm. And you become a representative in in government at almost every level. Uh, It is one of the most difficult things in the world to keep your principles because they like being in that position forces you to make decisions you otherwise would not make. The cameras in Jackson are part of the Falcon line, which sends instant alerts to law enforcement. Hmm. So this company, right? People who are like, I don't know, like Ancons or be like, oh, well, it's capitalism. No, no, no. All the state is doing is paying a private company to implement this stuff for them. So Yeah, this is corporatism. It's totally corporatism. This it's cro- is crony, crony capitalism yeah, crony at capitalism, best. Yeah. Anyway, the Falcon Line sends instant alerts to law enforcement. There are different models of the AI surveillance technology, each named after birds. Mm. I don't know what the significance of that is. Raven is an audio device... For detecting sounds of crime, such as huh. gunshots. Bre- this is Wyoming. Breaking glass. I mean, wait a minute. Sawing this- metal and screeching tires. Okay, I guess the argument's probably going to be that Jackson, Wyoming, which, by the way, is a population of 10,700 people as of 2020, uh, that they probably, like Keene, New Hampshire, where we live, it's probably against city ordinance to shoot a gun within the town limits or whatever like if you're in downtown it's probably against the law to shoot a gun but if you're out in your ranch in wyoming then uh, i'm pretty sure you can shoot your guns without it being considered a criminal act so i guess the question is where are these cameras located are they anywhere where are these microphones located yeah. and what else do they pick up right and mm, the great answer question. is i don't know but raven's the audio device which will trigger on things such as that list of stuff breaking glass mm-hmm. on metal gunshots screeching tires wing which combs through thousands of hours of footage for specific vehicle identifiers for police and Jesus. then condor which provides a live feed complete with zooming capabilities i find it hard to believe that jackson wyoming is having a crime wave that would make them want to seek out all this likely expensive equipment yeah. to uh, outfit their police department with. I mean, this is, I just don't believe it's, that. It's Big Brother on steroids. It's even Big Brother, right? He just gets bigger by the moment. This is pretty disturbing stuff. If you want to comment, though, especially if you support this, do you want to have microphones uh, run by the government? Do you want to have cameras run by the government in your town? You've already got cameras at you know Walmart or whatever, but we're talking about government-operated 
government-monitored cameras in order to, quote-unquote, make you safe? I mean, is there anybody out there that buys this? Obviously, the city councilors do. Uh, you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Saturday show. We're talking about the surveillance state, specifically the state of Wyoming and the town of Jackson. It's so ridiculous. I mean, this is coming soon to a town near you. Literally. Right? I mean, talking about like, 10,000 people here. Like, we, we already covered on this show how police are using your ring camera against mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a ring camera connected to the internet... Uh, you don't have any choice. Police can access that. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, use it for whatever purpose they mm. feel like using it for. Uh, if you belong to one of these, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what they're called. You have the ring camera. You belong to like a neighborhood thing where you all like, you know, get together and like, it's kind of like a a virtual like a neighborhood uh, watch neighborhood watch kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, cops can access all that too. Wow. Well, I mean, you should have known that one was coming when you bought the ring camera. You should have. I mean, you've already got a a spy in your house if you've got Alexa or anything that resembles that. So, but yeah, in Jackson, Wyoming, which is apparently often mistakenly called Jackson Hole. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if that means it's the same thing as Jackson Hole. Or if Jackson Hole is a different hole or hole hole Jackson. You never heard of Jackson Hole, Wyoming? No. Well, that's a thing. I think Harrison Ford lives there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a mosquito in here. I see what you're doing there, yeah, Captain. Yeah, yeah. Keep doing the thing. <laughs> the cameras in Jackson are part of the Falcon line. Uh, again, more bird. for the. It's for the birds, that's for sure. Uh, the Falcon line, which sends instant alerts to law enforcement. Instant alerts to law enforcement. Right. There are different models of the AI surveillance technology, each named after birds. Uh, we covered most of that. But the AI-powered mass surveillance system by Flock Safety, calls it Talon, T-A-L-O-N. I want to know what people are saying about this, because obviously the city council or town council or whatever voted for this. Was it unanimous? Does it say in the story how the vote actually went? Well, uh, it does say that Talon has stirred up controversy for its similarities to the technology in science fiction realities portrayed by TV dramas like Person of Interest mm. and Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of which first aired 12 years ago. In the former, the government relies on an AI program that predicts crime through monitoring the public 
with surveillance video and all other electronic communications. Sounds like it's coming true. Mm. Multiple episodes of the latter, each of which are reminiscent of the Twilight Zone, touch on the abuses and extremes of government-involved mass surveillance. Unlike its TV counterparts, Flock Safety says their cameras only capture and retain data on license plates and vehicles, not people, for 30 days or the time frame required by state and local law. We've heard that before. Mm -hmm. Trust us. Much like Person of Interest, the real-world AI program by Flock Safety can predict personal associations through something called convoy analysis, which identifies proximity and travel patterns of vehicles. The American Civil Liberties Union characterized Flock Safety's technology as Orwellian following an investigative report last year. This is one of the dark sides of the new AI technology fanatics, uh, you know, fanaticism that's going on out there. We've covered AI in depth on this program in the last year, uh, and it's got some really cool applications. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the AI artwork is really awesome. The AI chatbots are very interesting in what they can accomplish but the machine learning that is uh, the, the guts of these AI systems can absolutely be used for evil government purposes to oppress and repress and control populations. We're seeing that being put into play in China. What, what right. Wyoming is doing, what Jackson, Wyoming is doing is, the is China-like kind of stuff yep. where... They're monitoring, they're listening, they're sending notices out, and it won't be long before they've gone ahead and they've identified who everyone is, all 10,700 citizens of Jackson, where they have figured out through facial recognition or whatever, which used to be a joke a long time ago, not so much these days. It's totally real. Uh, The early iterations were bad, now it's pretty good. They're going to be able to start doing facial identification, and they're going to know where everybody is any time of day if they are out and about in their cars or walking around. They'll be able to recognize the signature of your pipes on your car, right? Your pipes? The the the, audio signature, your exhaust, right. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, They'll be able to recognize, uh, you know, oh, your your tires are out of alignment because you're driving a little sideways, Mm. right? Your your alignment's off, right? These are all things that, that they will be able to see. Because of this, well, the tire shop could uh, could sponsor this then, and they could they could get uh, information about who's got their tires messed up, and they could send them a coupon in the in the mail. <laughs> Flock safety allows police to obtain unfettered access to a suspect's vehicle history over time across state lines, mm. known as multi geo search. Wow! It also allows law enforcement to search for vehicular fingerprints compiled by its AI. That not only includes traditional features like vehicle make, type, and color, but unique features such as bumper stickers and mm. decals. And like where you've gone. Where you, are That's you what at they're the saying gro- about the geo-search. Right, right. right. Are your you patterns. At the, what days are you at the grocery store? What times? What are your habits? Yep. Are you visiting uh, you know, your mistress or whatever? Like They're going to know everything about you. Yep. Oh, it looks like old Phil traded in the old Ford for a new one, right? Because mm-hmm. now suddenly he, the the pattern is matched, but the vehicle doesn't, and they'll be able to go. Oh, look, he got without like you didn't tell mm-hmm. them that you got a new truck, and they know already. Yeah, over two thousand cities. You're going to need to register that, Phil. Well, of course, they'll send a notice, and they'll if you didn't, you. they'll know. Right, right. You know, 
Over 2,000 cities across 43 states have already installed flock safety cameras, according to the company. Civilians may also purchase the cameras and opt to share their footage in real time with law enforcement. So if you're uh, if you're a Mrs. Kravitz, yeah, you're a little snitch, yeah, a little nosy neighbor, nosy Nancy, busybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, hundreds of HOAs have also turned to the devices mm. as their preferred security. Whoa, yeah, watch out for those HOAs. Man. Yeah. Uh, by the way, these people uh, that are behind companies like this are trash. S- you know what? Shame on you, people. You are the people who are enabling. The Orwellian police state. You're making it possible. Because if it weren't for these tech companies, these cops would be dead in the water. They can't they can't innovate their way out of a paper bag. Right. But if it but because of the relatively free market in technology, there's incredible advances that are happening, and all the cops gotta do is pay the money you earned, the tax money they stole from you yep. in order to upgrade their uh, their technology and upgrade their abilities to oppress you. Now, look, I'm not saying that somebody who's a murderer shouldn't be caught and brought to justice. I think that those people, I think everybody agrees that psychopaths, you know, that are actually doing harm to others should be stopped. But the problem is a lot of those psychopaths work for the government. They will use these tools to oppress people, You period. And this is scary stuff. With their flock safety purchase, private camera owners may have their cameras alert them to customized hot lists of license plates. Pings on those hot lists are automatically run against state police watch lists and the FBI's NCIC. Wow. National Crime Information Center, for those who don't know. Law enforcement receives immediate notification of any hits against their state watch list or the NCIC. Wow. So suddenly... Your little local town of 10,000 people in Wyoming uh, is being accessed by the federal government. That's the NCIC yeah. is the federal government. Yeah, that's the end game here. They all, they want This company is going to bring more and more uh, cities. Apparently, it's over 2,000 cities has some var- variant of their cameras, uh, LPR cameras. Is that the license plate license recognition? License plate recognition. Yeah. But it, it gets That's worse. That's where it starts. That's it gets, where it starts. It gets worse because Flock Safety's technology may be used for more than just LPR surveillance. Mm-hmm. The CEO and co-founder, Garrett Langley, Garrett Scum. Langley, told Vice News in 2021 that his technology could possibly be used by immigration authorities to oh, deport no. illegal immigrants. Oh, man. Yes, if it was legal in a state, we would not be in a position to stop them. I don't think we would be in a position to encourage it either, said Langley. We give our customers the tools to decide and let them go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could decide not to have government as one of your customers. His customers are 99% government, oh, I I'm guarantee sure. you. Yeah, this is, uh, in the tech industry, this is what's known as a cash cow. Mm. If your tech can't stand on its own and serve a purpose that individuals or businesses might find useful... Uh, the very common thing to do is to turn and, and pitch it mm-hmm. to the state because the state is what's known as cash cow money. You yeah, they can pay way it, more than you what can it's make worth. an entire business doing nothing but supplying technology to governments. Right, and and in, in fact, there are several That's what of these, these people businesses. are doing. Yeah, Flock began installing its cameras in 2017, the year it was founded. Langley credited personal experiences of property crime in Atlanta for the inspiration to create the company. Prior to Flock Safety, Langley launched a car subscription service called Clutch and a live events mobile technology company called Experience. Uh, 
He sold the latter company to Cox Enterprises for $200 million wow. in 2014. Matt Fury, the co-founder, followed Langley from experience. Flock Safety accrued $230 million in starting venture capital from Andreessen Horowitz, Matrix Partners, Initialized Capital, Axon, yeah. Bedrock Capital, some of them. Founders Fund, and Y Combinator. In the last few years, Flock Safety has raised around $380 million. Yeah, there's no doubt that this company is going to likely continue to spread uh, because it's going to it's going to increase the digital footprint of governments all around, not just the United States. I suspect they're more than happy to sell to international governments as well, who, of course, will use it oh, to I'm oppress sure. their people in various different ways because they don't care about what happens to the people that are using the CEO himself said it. It's like, hey, we just we don't we just provide the tools. Yeah, we're just the tech. Company. We let them go. We we don't you know what they do with it. We're not responsible. Yes, you are. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, you made the you made the thing that is going to be used to put innocent people. Behind bars. Uh, the valuation of Flock Safety sits around $3.5 billion. Yeah. They do have a competitor, Motorola Solutions, do. that operates a similar database. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Great. Uh, UGLY, yeah. they ain't got no alibi. They're just ugly. Just, I want to know who out there thinks this is a good idea. I don't. I mean, we have people listening to this this show that I'm sure are the back the blue. You know, oh yeah, there's gonna... there's some psychopath out there now. He's got a smile. So he's like, oh, yeah, that's coming the soon to a town near me. <laughs> I want to be monitored everywhere I go, and nothing makes me feel safer than having strangers looking at me wherever it is I'm walking and scrutinizing my every destination. I mean, who wants to live like this? We're literally talking about the first steps of communist China here. Because remember, the thing that they have there that they haven't quite yet implemented in the United States, in Jackson, Wyoming, or wherever it is this technology is, is the social credit score aspect of this. But this is going to be, this is what under girds that whole this system. This is the backbone yes. of that system. Yes, yes. exactly. The infrastructure, the, the beginning uh, seeds of that infrastructure is stuff like this. Right. They know uh, all kinds of things about people in China, and they use that data, and they use their locations to restrict them right. to doing things like, oh, you can't go shopping. You you can no longer shop at these oh, places. We did, a, we did a story here on Free Talk Live during COVID where, like, uh, these people were going to go to a protest, but they, they couldn't go because the indicator on their social credit score app turned red. This is in China. Yeah. 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 They're like, oh, I guess we can't go protest now because our, our phone turned red. Right. And there's also checkpoints, as I understand. I've seen footage and I've seen imagery of these checkpoints that are at specific locations throughout the city where in order to go through the checkpoint, it, it may not even be manned. It's like an automated thing. Yeah. And in order to go through the checkpoint, you have to show or scan your device that has yep. your social credit score attached to it. Yep. And if you've got a poor score, you will not be allowed to access that part of the city. Yep. And so it's this technology that this company that you're talking about here, Flock Safety, is implementing that can absolutely be tied right into a system oh, of restriction I, of travel. Yeah, I, I'm certain that it will be at yeah. some point. Uh, and it's amazing to me how, mm, I don't know what the right word is, how just uh, 
stupid people are when it comes to their like, stupid's the wrong word. How ignorant they are! Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna you're gonna form a protest. You're gonna get a bunch of people together who agree to meet at a place and a time to protest a thing, and then you all just go, "Oh, I guess we can't go because my phone changed color." Well, because if like, you go, then they're gonna snatch you up. Because I mean, it's gone too far. It's it's the whole. I mean, like the whole point of the protest is to stand up to the man. I get it, but you know. But yet here's the man going. Oh, we're just going to change the color of your app. Now you're like, yeah. oh, I can't go because my phone is well, red. Well, I mean, look, I I get. It's easy to say that, Captain, because you're not dealing with having been disappeared from your family with a black bag in the middle of the night because you went to the protest you weren't authorized to go to yet. Right. So, like, yeah, it's comfy to say, sit here and say, oh, yeah, I would go. But, you know, I, would you really? If I mean, you knew that that was the likely that outcome? To be seen. Because that's the thing. Like, that's why these things have to be stopped before all of the, impl- all of the implementation yeah. is completed. But that's the problem. People are so comfortable. To go back to what Skeeter actually was right about tonight is that people are so comfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Land of the comfortable. Right. They're not going to stand up against this. And and I have to wonder, this is the one thing the story that you were sharing doesn't cover. And there's not apparently a lot of coverage of this. I saw a uh, mil- American military news picked up and they sort of wrote their own article based on the Daily Caller piece. So I don't know how much coverage this is getting. But what I want to know is, what are the people of Jackson saying about right. this? I mean, how? what are the people on the street saying about this idea of being monitored constantly? Do we have a station in Jackson? No, I don't know. I don't okay. even know if we're on in Wyoming. Okay. I mean, it's just, just... I'd be curious to know if, so small if the people of Jackson, Wyoming, were actually, like, for this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose they could vote out the town council members that authorize this contract and then have the new town council members you know, cancel the agreement or whatever and then undo things. Otherwise, the only option is to physically destroy this stuff. Yeah, right? or they like, could get in Jim Bob's pickup and, you know, can of spray paint and, you know, take yeah. care of business. Yeah, one of my old favorite videos, I don't know if you remember, do you remember 4409 from Arizona? The guy on YouTube, for whatever reason, his channel was named 4409, and he referred to himself that way. I have no idea what his real name is. I bet Ernie knows him personally, okay. but uh, he would go and... He put on like a Santa Claus outfit once and got a big old ladder and he put it up against, you know, some optic panopticon tower with a camera or whatever on the yeah. top of it, like a speed camera or something like that. And it was during the Christmas season. He had a big Christmas present, like with the wrapping on it or whatever, but it had it had a hole on the bottom yeah. of it. And he, he got up on this ladder and he went up and he placed the Christmas present over, over top the of the camera. So it didn't actually destroy the camera. Smart. You know, it didn't, he didn't do damage to the camera. He didn't paint it or anything like that. And he was delivering a gift, literally. Yeah, it was a literal gift to the people of whatever yeah. Tucson or Phoenix or wherever he was. And, of course, it was going to be undone. The fire department probably came by a couple sure. hours later and you know removed it or whatever, the ladder truck. But that's the kind of creative uh, protest that I think is really inspirational. It was really memorable for me to see that happen. So that's, I think, one option is, you know, as far as protest is concerned early on in the game. Yeah. But I'll say this. I, I'm, while I'm against violence, I am f- fully against violence. I have no problem with sabotaging the government's uh, systems. So whether it's anonymous going in and hacking into these systems, whether it's anonymous hacking this company, right? Uh, I don't care. 
Like, I don't, if, if if anonymous goes in, and it's it's unfortunately we don't hear much about anonymous these days, but every now and then you know they'll yeah, pop they're back relatively on the scene. Well, anonymous. Yeah, but they're also relatively quiet these yeah. days, and they used to be really, you know, newsworthy. Well, the same can be said for uh, the formerly rather vocal community of what's known as uh, cypherpunks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is where, uh, supposedly, the ideas for things like cryptocurrency came from, and then once it was released into the wild, they just sort of like, like the wind. That's true. Well, they, uh, they accomplished a big goal they in did. that particular case. They did. Now, they, I, I'm certain they still exist, and I'm certain... That they're still working on stuff. I have no evidence for that. Yeah. I think another solution here, I mean, because again, what we're talking about is what do you do after the fact? You know, right. Convince the city council or other options. Um, another option is to live in a place where the city council would never vote for this in the first place. Right. And maybe we have a chance at making New Hampshire that place. I hope so, because I do not want to see this anywhere near me. Uh, I've made a note to myself to never visit Jackson, Wyoming yeah, uh, or any of the other 2,000 cities where this thing is deployed because, I I mean, holy George Orwell, Batman. This is just over the top. And, like, Charlie Brooker, who created Black Mirror, was he was like, look, this stuff is just around the corner 12 years ago or whatever it was whenever Mm -hmm. Black Mirror first was released. He's like, this is stuff... This is horror that is just around the corner, right? Uh, the the warnings are many, not just from Charlie Brooker, but from George Orwell, from uh, uh, who's the other guy, uh, uh, Asimov, mm. the guy who wrote uh, Strange or Bra- Brave New Strange. Mm, oh, Brave New World. Brave New World. Thank uh, you. That wasn't Asimov. I should know because I read the book, but right now too, your brain freeze has uh, right. infected me on that that's one. Right. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like the, yeah. the warnings have been many about this kind of stuff. Bonnie knows and, it. What is it? Aldous, Aldous, Aldous Huxley. Huxley. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, our producer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of this stuff has come true, uh, and like it, Sick. you know, it it seems like they're following it as a manual. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not, they're not, no one is heeding the warnings. People are like, oh, well, it'll never come to that. Well, it already has. It's that now. It's that now. Uh, the formerly uh, communist uh, USSR mm-hmm. would, could only dream oh, yeah. of having the things that already exist in the United States of America t- yeah. today, yeah. as far as their tracking, their surveillance, the amount of people in the prison system, all of that would have been a wet dream for those psychopaths. And we already have it. It's here. It exists. And people are just like, yeah, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, the presidential candidate, Aaron Day, Aaron R. Day, who's yeah. an actual free stater, uh, who's running as a as a Republican, but he's a really pro liberty guy. He's he, a bank run guy. He is. He's encouraging a bank run. Uh, and his book, The Final Countdown, its first chapter. I've read the whole book. Uh, the first chapter is sort of like this fictional view of the near future, where all of the stuff we're talking about—the Chinese social credit system, the monitoring. Uh, the CBDC, the central bank digital currency, these things are all in place. And it is a very, you know, scary kind of vision of what life could be like, what life may already be like in China, but what life could be like here in the United States and elsewhere in the world in a relatively soon kind of uh, situation. And he points out at the end of this chapter, this sort of dark chapter, 
is he points out everything he cites in this chapter predicting the future is in place today. It's just that the connections haven't been made between them, right? right. So the social credit score system, that exists. It's just software. Yep. The system that we're talking about that's going into place in Jackson, Wyoming, exists. It's software that it's in 2000 cities track people and, you know, uh, be aware of where they're going and what they're doing. The central bank digital currency hasn't been rolled out in the United States quite yet, but it's happening in Nigeria. It's happening in Jamaica. It's happening in a couple of other countries. The China's back, the backbone for that was released recently in the US called FedNow. FedNow, that's right. So, but it hasn't been approved yet officially in the United Ooh. States. But these are Approved. all of the, these are all of these separate for now technologies that it's just a matter of rolling it all up yeah. into one big system of control. I mean, it is it is right over the hill at this point. I mean, it's not even very high hill, and the cliff that we, you will fall off on the other side is uh, a very scary thing. Yeah, but that's where we're at. It is. That's where we're at right now, which is why I think that the Free State Project is such an important thing and such an important thing to do sooner rather than later. The good news behind COVID was that it accelerated a lot of people's plans to get their butts to New Hampshire. A lot of the libertarians who, you know, have been saying, oh, well, I don't know about Okay, well, now we know. They're like, oh, crap, it's happening. I got to go. Here is your total police state. Here is your total Orwellian, you know, uh, industrial complex, pharmaceutical industrial complex, literally being forced into people's veins. It's time to do something about it. And if you're in a minority where you are, and libertarians are in a minority everywhere, then it makes sense to get together with other liberty-minded people in the same geographic area check out the free state project we got more coming up on the surveillance state it's free talk live free talk live it's free talk live and we're kicking off the third hour of this live saturday show with you tonight it's ian and the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. You can join us online anytime you want. We do have our own social media platform. You can find that over at social.freetalklive.com and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners as well as some of the hosts of the show. Uh, today I posted some horrifying photographs of a car that was parked in the Walmart parking lot here in Keene, New Hampshire. That apparently I had seen before, but for whatever reason, I did not recognize it. Um, Bonnie said we saw it in a different parking lot, a different part of town some number of months ago. And I can't imagine why I didn't remember this. Maybe I just blocked it from my memory because it was that horrifying. Uh, It was a hoarder's car. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, was it bad. Literally the entire car, with the exception of the driver's seat was full of garbage, of actual food, waste, garbage, had empty you, cups, empty milk jugs. Had you not seen one of these before this particular car? I understand it was the I've same seen, car. I've seen hoarders' cars before. Okay. This is this was literally full to the brim, yeah. 100% full. I mean, there's different levels of this that exist out there. And... You know, I haven't seen that many of them that were this bad in my lifetime. This was some of the worst, uh, the worst, probably the worst, most filled, filth-filled car that I have 
ever seen, or at least that I recall seeing. I Apparently, saw that. I didn't recall seeing it the last time. <laughs> well, and why would you? Who wants to remember that? Right. That's what I said. I put it out of my mind. It's horrifying. I, I saw the photos, and I thought to myself, huh, I haven't seen one of those since I left Seattle, Washington. Really? Yeah. I, like, I've never seen that in New Hampshire. Wow. Now, you know, well, I don't- trashy people everywhere. I don't you know? go that far. New Hampshire's a small yeah. state, so like, you know- uh, but like some other things have been really nice about New Hampshire. Like for example, I I've been cured of my road rage. Excellent. It's not really true. I still have the road rage. It just, just doesn't come up. New Hampshire doesn't trigger it because mm-hmm. there's way less traffic. Uh, drivers here tend to be courteous. Drivers to are the, far to a fault. more courteous. Yeah, I like, and it's just like so. When I drove across country uh, last year. Um, you know, when I hit like downtown Cleveland and mm-hmm. downtown Chicago. Right, the road rage. The road up. rage came back. It was just oh, hiding. Okay. It was still there. <laughs> it, it still exists. But like you know, but it's mainly just like me being mad at people driving stupidly when they don't have to, uh, and and that means different things to different people. To some people, doing the exact speed limit is the smart thing to do. Yeah. Right, and it's like, well, no, not always. Sometimes you got to go faster than the speed limit to be safe. And I know that that doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but it's true. Uh, I was I avoided a collision by stepping on the gas mm-hmm. and getting away from these two other idiots, right? Who were you know eh, swerving in and out and breaking and you know all sorts of and just like I, I got no idea what you're doing. I got to get away from you guys. So I saw what was about to happen. We were on like a, a three lane highway, right? And they were both going to swerve into each other. So I saw an opening. I hammered on the gas. I sped right through and then they almost nearly collided because wow. like behind me in yeah. my rear view mirror i saw it and like if i'd have been there they would have it collided would have into me because yeah. yeah. neither of them were paying attention Good to thing what you they were paying doing. attention man yeah that's frustrating now on the dark side of that of course is that if there was a cop around guess who would have got the ticket <laughs> me <laughs> right. right well you know and that's what i wondered about uh, just now thought of this hoarder guy with a car just packed full of garbage there's no way he could have used his rearview mirror. He certainly right. couldn't use his mirror on the passenger side of the vehicle. And I, you know, look, hey, you do your thing how you want in your car, whatever, but uh, is that legal? Really? Well, I mean, is that legal to, to drive around to where you cannot possibly see? You could, <laughs> it's one thing to like, okay, your mirror's broken, whatever, right? You can still, in a normal car, yeah. Turn your head and you can look so you're not running into somebody when you're All trying right. to merge into traffic. This guy couldn't possibly look out the entirety of his uh, glass in his car with the exception of the front and uh, and his driver's side window. I'm trying to remember the phrase for it, but it, it's something like dollar figure bias. Uh, I, I'm, I think that's slightly incorrect, but this is the propensity for cops to pull over only those people they think will pay the ticket. Or can afford to. Really? Yeah. So like, oh, oh, there goes a guy in a, I don't know, a BMW. He can afford to pay the ticket. Huh. We're going to pull him Are over. Are there studies on, on yeah, this? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there, I can't remember where I heard it from. I heard it from another person. So I haven't like looked into huh. it personally. But like, it makes sense, right? Uh, if you're driving like a beat up rust bucket, right? Uh, 
you know, and yeah. you're, you know, you're only doing five over, maybe 10 over. N- no mm-hmm. one's going to do anything to you. But if you're in a nice car that's well capped and it looks like you got some money, oh, that guy can afford it. We're going to yeah, pull that's him an over. interesting point because the rich guy is the one who's most likely to just go ahead and pay the fine because right. it means nothing to him. And they don't have the time, right? They They're don't have busy. the time. They They're got a busy. career. They got, you know, right. kids, wife, whatever, all that What's stuff. What's a $100 ticket to that guy? Right. No, nothing. Nothing. But for, uh, for, but that's, that's interesting because it's the reverse of most crimes, right? Because if that's true, and I, and it sounds plausible. I but, think that this was around the time when uh, it was just coming to light about these uh, police, police, well, they still do, they won't tell you, but they have these quotas. Yeah, right. yeah, no, not a not a number, a, not a number of some departments didn't have a number of tickets quota. Mm-hmm. They had a dollar figure t- quota, uh-huh. so they needed to write ten thousand dollars worth of tickets this yeah. month or something along those lines. And so that's where this phrase came from. And I think I'm using the wrong phrase, but it's something along those lines. Right. There's another term called the part the departmental average, and so. In a department, there's a certain number of officers who are assigned to the duty of the roads, mm-hmm. right? And there's an average number of tickets over a month mm-hmm. that is written by the department. Yep. Are you over the average? Are you on the average or are you below the average? Right. If you are below the average, you could face some sort of ramification, some sort of punishment right. for that. So that's the incentive that they give to encourage them to write more tickets, yep. but it's not a quota. That way, whenever the department spokesperson or the chief or whoever or any of the officers, if they're talking, are authorized to speak to the media and somebody says, do you guys have a quota? They can say, no, we don't have a quota because right. it's a departmental average. And no one ever asks about do they have a departmental average? What they do count, though, is they count that average as revenue, mm-hmm. right? So they they count on, let's just say it's you know ten thousand bucks just for round numbers, ten thousand dollars a month that they need to generate on average, right? That's the average yeah, department. Yeah. So they count that as ten thousand dollars of revenue. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't make that that mark, if you don't hit above that, that mark number, above yeah. that, then uh, they're going to come to you and say, like, well, it's your fault. We've fallen below average and we've lost money because of you you're gonna get demoted they to the call night it shift. lost money <laughs> they call it lo- yeah, we're, we're lost we're losing revenue right. because you are below average in your tickets start writing more tickets right officer now yeah. you'll notice listeners the horrifying thing about this discussion is that there's no incentive for protection no or no. safety the incentive here is to generate revenue Right. That's and the incentive. So, yeah, I think you make an interesting point about the rich uh, people with nicer vehicles being more likely to get ticketed. But on the other side of that, the reverse is true when it comes to other quote unquote crimes that aren't real crimes, right? Like speeding's not a real crime. It's, right. it's not. Uh, there's no property damage. There's no personal damage. You know, yeah, it might be risky, but you know, there's certain circumstances wherein speeding is entirely appropriate. It's fine for the cir- you know the, uh, the the circumstances on the road. It's not raining right. or whatever, right? Uh, and that's I think most people speed. Almost everybody that drives speeds. So everybody accepts this, whether they want to admit it or not. Yep. But when it comes to the other quote unquote crimes, like marijuana possession or underage drinking or you know you fill in the the blank of the the other victimless crimes that we're talking about here prostitution uh they don't tend to go after the rich people as often right because if you go and you sit into an arraignment and i've sat in on many more than i can count it's poor person after poor person after poor person 
after poor person yeah. and the cash register rings every single guilty plea because yep. 99% of them plead guilty and it's just okay here's your fine that's 400 and something dollars for possession of blah 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 you can get you know get on. oh you can't afford it right now because most of them can't right they don't have 400 dollars sitting in the bank where they can just cut a check to right. the state so then it's oh well We'll get you on the payment plan, which, of course, means you're going to pay more because then they're going to finance you on your $400 payment and might end up being $600 when all is said and done, right? Uh, So that's sort of the other side of it. it, It's not like they're not picking on the poor people. They sure as hell are picking on the poor people. Oh, no, they totally pick on the poor people. It's just you're saying in speeding tickets specifically, they're picking on more likely to be rich people. Yeah, and particularly uh, uh, state troopers Uh Uh, because, you know, they're just sitting on the highway. They're watching cars go by. They're setting speed traps with their radar gun or whatever it is, you know. Uh, And so, uh, ironically, I used to own a Chevy Citation. Circa 1986. Okay. It's the only car I've ever owned that I didn't get a ticket in. And it's called a citation. It's called a citation. <laughs> Let's go to the phones here. Somebody who loves hearing about ticketing. She loves uh, monitoring and Oh, she cameras. probably loves those cameras in I Wyoming. I bet she does. Sarah, were you on the line while we were talking about Wyoming and all their new can- newfangled monitors and audio recording oh. devices and cameras? really um exciting kind of because um remember i said that three hundred thousand people got their driver's license back yeah you did but i asked you a question about the monitoring and all that so i'm curious to what you think about that well you know i I don't know too much about it but i think weren't you on hold while we were talking about it i know you've been on hold here for some time no i I was listening to about you guys that Speeding, um, hurt some of it. Like you think the speeding okay. causes uh, no damage and all that. Well, the let's give you a will. quick rundown here. What happened, Sarah? Was uh, Jackson, Wyoming, town of ten thousand people, now has I don't know how many hundreds or dozens or whatever of cameras and audio recording devices that are going to be distributed around the town that will be monitored by the police. It will automatically detect certain. Uh, alleged crime noises like breaking glass or tires squealing or whatever, and it will send out notifications to the police. They're they're going to be scanning people's license plates and they're going to be tracking uh, people's driving habits, where they go, what time, where they, how often, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just wondering if that sounds like something you want to be a part of in uh, Albuquerque. Well, we we kind of do already have that noise detection. We have that for the gunshot. Oh. Yeah, we already okay. have some of that. Well, there there are apparently 2,000 uh, cities or something like that that are participating in this. So maybe Albuquerque already has this particular technology. And so you're supportive of this sort of monitoring, right? Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I really am. But, um, now, I, I want to see how far that. you're willing to go with this because they're, the company that's behind this, uh, was it Falcon or something like that or Flock? Uh, something Flock, yeah, right? Falcon Systems. Flock systems. Flock systems. Yeah, that's what it was. Anyway, they they want also regular people to sign up to help keep things under control, to help monitor their fellow man and their fellow uh, supposed citizens. So I'm wondering, you guys have a nice townhouse there in Albuquerque. You've told us about it before. Are you willing to go ahead and sign up and get some of these cameras mounted on your home 
So the police can monitor the feed from your cameras just in case of, you know, whatever it is they want to do. Well, for, for right now, it's not necessary. Why not? Because um, we're... I mean, for right now, because we're kind of like in a like it's not gated, but it's a it's almost like a gated community, it's mm-hmm. like a cul de sac. Okay. So we don't really have a gate, but the nobody, everybody knows that there's a thief that enters the property. So no, I mean, particularly, I wouldn't want that camera on my 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 town home. Oh, but okay. But that, so you're saying the reason you don't want a camera on your home that's monitored by the police, in theory is because there's just not that much crime in your neighborhood? That's correct. That's okay. correct. Okay, it's so if there were more crimes, there's if people yeah. started getting, you know, their cars broken into or whatever, then that might encourage you to go ahead and put a police-monitored camera on your home? Well, if I was to live right on the street with mm-hmm. sidewalk where everybody could walk up and walk up to my window or something, I would participate. Okay. You know, now, I what would... about adding a camera to your backyard? Because you were talking about being on the street – what about putting a camera so where it can see what's going on in your backyard and your side yards as well? Well, right now, the, our backyard is built towards the back. Mm-hmm. Our, it's not necessary. Most of them are. The wall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's why they're called backyards. These homes were open, I mean, built like 20 years ago when we had a lot of crime building up in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, built with all the uh, consideration, no alleyways and um, all the backyards are uh, pretty much the back, and everybody already has a large sort of system. Mm, mm. Okay, just I'm trying to understand things. here. Why is it you wouldn't want, well, if you're okay with putting a camera facing the street, why wouldn't you want a camera protecting your backyard? I mean, the police could could be monitoring that, and they could catch somebody doing something naughty. It's your property. If you feel like it's necessary, it's up to you. No, no, no. I'm asking you. I don't want to have anything to do with this crap, Uh, but I'm asking about you because you love to call in about speeding cameras and you love red light cameras. And I figure, you know, if you want to be consistent, Sarah, shouldn't you be putting police cameras on your home? And if not, why not? What do you have to hide? Well, look, I don't have any... My neighbors are pretty well. Maybe my nine-year-old girl might hop over the fence and drop her little bananas or something like that. That's mm-hmm. about all that, ha- that happens. In yeah, my but she could be a teenage girl soon and smoking marijuana in the backyard. Wait, that's legal there. She could be snorting cocaine with her friends or drinking under age, which is even worse, in the backyard of her house. And then your cameras could catch that, and she could get arrested, well, which is what I, needs okay, to happen to all teenagers, right? Well, if you're private property, if you want to feel like you want to do it, it's up to the oh, individual. And the individual, so you do have um, something to hide, owner. huh? What are you doing in that backyard, Sarah, that you don't want the police to know about? Well, I don't know about that, but I want to talk about. <laughs> the, the, the I'm just giving you a hard time, Sarah. Hey, hey Sarah, I have a question <laughs> okay. for you. Are you anywhere near Milan, New Mexico? M I L A N. No, I don't know where. Why do you that ask? What, what is that? Flock Safety is has uh, their deployed their systems in Milan, New Mexico. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's elsewhere, but they at oh, least have geez. a footprint in New Mexico. So they have their their okay. whole system deployed in Milan, New Mexico. That's All right, Sarah. Just a cursory okay. search. What are you on? What are you calling about? Okay, look at look at. Remember okay, I said okay. that we got three hundred thousand dollars rifles license. They got uh, reinstated. You did, it yeah. Turns out hundred thousand of that are still suspended. 
And then many of them are CDL license. If you have a, if you're driving a truck license, your license are suspended. And and most of, and I think all the other ones are from out of state, probably Wyoming, that state. If you have a driver's license from that state, and you racked up a speeding camera ticket here. So just to reca- recap here for our listeners that maybe they weren't tuned in, however many months ago you called about this, you had called because in New Mexico they had. They had suspended so many people's licenses, as you said, over 300,000 of them, that it was actually hurting the economy because people can't go to work if they don't have a license. Uh, And so they they decided that they were going to do an amnesty and actually unsuspend these people's licenses because they were too poor to pay it off because people in New Mexico are way poorer than a lot of other places. Fact. Uh, Too poor to pay it off and they're just, they're, you know, they can't be productive. So it was a huge drain on the New Mexico welfare system or whatever, and the economy is suffering. So they actually did some amnesty, which is the right thing to do in that case. But you're calling tonight with an update saying there's 100,000 of them that are not being, uh, the, the suspensions are not being lifted because they're professional drivers with CDLs and they're from out of That's state. Correct. And then hmm. I think um, the other the other ones are the the out of state license mm. that they, they work together our state and their state. So the, they work together to oppress Wyoming. They uh, they share information to oppress each other's populations effectively. Yeah. yeah, they're speeding and carrying on here, and it belongs to Wyoming, for example, that state. Milan, by the way, is not far license. outside of Albuquerque. It's uh, I mean I guess it's kind of far, but it's it's west of Albuquerque. Okay, yeah. Uh, Sarah, thank you yeah, for the call, and thanks for the update tonight. appreciate it. The number uh, here. New Mexico, the land of entrapment. <laughs> they say that about every state. Yeah, but theirs, their motto is the land of enchantment. Oh, see, I didn't know that. So okay. that's why okay. I, I make the joke, land of entrapment. What's The old joke is like, uh, ah, blank, you know, leave, uh, what is it? You leave on probation or something <laughs> like that. Stay, Come on vacation, leave on probation. That's the old joke. New that's Mexico, I don't know if this is still true, but they used to house... The most prisoners not from the state of New Mexico. Ooh, they're outsourced. So they were like, like other prisons would send their inmates wow. to New Mexico under contract, right? So they would outsource to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Also, too, more people would get thrown into the prison system uh, by getting arrested in New Mexico who weren't residents of New Mexico. Mm. Wow. Yeah. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. As I said earlier, I had a story related to what you were talking about with the uh, Wyoming increased uh, surveillance state system that's going on. It's happening in more than just Wyoming. This one is from Politico, and I've actually been holding on to it for a little while because it is important, but it's one of those stories we just never got to. Uh, But it it fits in here. Department of Homeland Security has a program gathering domestic intelligence and virtually no one knows about it, they say. Now, keep in mind, this story is 10 years after Edward Snowden's revelations came out. Okay, That was summer of 2013. That's 10 years ago. What has changed in that amount of time as far as national, federal surveillance of your activities? Where is this from? This is Politico.com. Huh, Interesting. I have something that may be related. Something related from Reason? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hear yours. For years, the Department of Homeland Security has run a virtually unknown program gathering domestic intelligence, one of many revelations in a wide-ranging tranche of internal documents reviewed by Politico. Those documents also reveal that a significant number of employees 
in DHS's intelligence, quote-unquote, office, have raised concerns that the work they're doing could be illegal. No. Their own bureaucrats are saying this might not be legal. Under the domestic intelligence program, officials are allowed to seek interviews with just about anyone in the United States. That includes people held in immigrant detention centers, local jails, and federal prison. DHS's intelligence professionals have to say they're conducting intelligence interviews, and they have to tell people they seek to interview that their participation is voluntary. But the fact that they're allowed to go directly to incarcerated people, circumventing their lawyers, raises important civil liberties concerns, according to legal experts. Okay. That specific uh, element of the program, which has been in place for years, was paused last year because of internal concerns. Department of Homeland Security's Office of Intelligence and Analysis, which runs the program, uses it to gather information about threats to the United States, including transnational drug trafficking and organized crime. Now, how it is that people inside of a prison cell would know what's going on outside of a prison cell in in regards to drug trafficking and organized (laughs) crime, I don't know. It would seem the information would be pretty limited. It's a microcosm. They can't keep drugs out of prison either. That's true. They can probably talk a lot about the drugs in prison. Uh, But there's more coming up. We'll find out what it is that DHS is doing that has some of their own employees apparently concerned that they might be breaking the law. Saturday show. You can join us online, of course, anytime you like. Archives are there. They go back for a long time, many years, all for free over at freetalklive.com. So please enjoy that stuff. And big thanks to listeners like you, like Craig Thomas, who's a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It is a way that you, like Craig, can contribute as little as $5 a month to Free Talk Live to help us get Free Talk Live on more great radio stations and bring more ears and eyes on the Internet to what we talk about here. If you appreciate the work that we do and you want to help us out, five bucks a month all, uh, all it takes. You just go to amps.freetalklive.com, get signed up there. It is a Patreon system. If you don't care for Patreon, and I don't blame you, they're not the, the best, uh, we have another option for you. You can go to our Odyssey channel, which is our main video system that we have out there and yep. uh, you can join the odyssey channel for five bucks a month as well uh and that means odyssey will benefit instead of patreon because there's you know, a little, little vig that goes to, to odyssey for that too so uh it helps us out it helps them out once again that's video.freetalklive.com you can click join at the top of the page or do amps.freetalklive.com thanks or craig both. or do them both yeah thanks craig thomas for helping us out so we're talking about the uh, the latest, or some of the latest, because the news just keeps coming, about the federal government thugs and their continual and increasing surveillance programs that they have against you, people. You remember when all this used to be conspiracy theory? Yeah, it's been a long time that, <laughs> since it's been a conspiracy theory. Um, but it's here. Oh, you're crazy. The government yeah. would never deploy such sophisticated technology to surveil all of its citizens. No, they would deploy even worse sophisticated technology as we're We, we, we won't get into it, seeing. but this, this other article I have basically says that uh, the United States government uh, has been spying on American citizens so much and has such a vast database of information that they don't even know how much or how often. How could they? I mean, there's so many different agencies and there's so much secrecy. Like it among can't them. be counted. Right. 
uh, and we don't even know what's what it costs, right? If you don't know how much there is, you have no idea how to calculate what it ex- the expense of it all. Uh, but this particular program that Politico is focusing on, which involves interviewing people in prisons, uh, as well as uh, immigration detention centers and local jails about various different things from alleged terrorism to drug dealing or whatever, organized crime, etc. It's called the Overt Human Intelligence Collection Program. The inner workings of which are described in the large tranche of internal documents. Overt Human Intelligence Program? OHIP? O H I C P. OHIP. Okay. Government's even horrible at acronyms. Normally, they're pretty good at the acronyms. They come up, I think, with the acronym first, and then they just figure out words that <laughs> backfill into it. it, like Patriot Act or whatever. Uh, Politico reviewed these. Is it tranche or tranche? Tranche of documents. Tranche. T-R-A-N-C-H-E. I don't know, actually. Yeah, I think it just means like a bunch of. Tranche, yeah, sure. Uh, a, release, a release of a bunch of documents. But anyway, Politico reviewed these from the Office of Intelligence and Analysis. They contain... Uh, additional interviews, or sorry, the documents and additional interviews revealed widespread internal concerns about legally questionable tactics and political pressure. The documents also show that the people working there fear punishment if they speak out about mismanagement and abuses. Gee, no. You don't think Ed Snowden or. I'm shocked. You know, any of these other whistleblowers that have been targeted, Julian Assange, for instance, who didn't even work for the government, yeah. you don't think that uh, the targeting of these individuals has anything to do with a chilling effect on the government agents themselves being willing to speak out? Yeah, well, it certainly does. Of course it yeah. does. Uh, and yeah, cause they know they're going to be punished. They know that they may have charges cooked up against them yeah. because, well, we've all heard the story that there's three felonies a day. The average American commits. I wonder if that's gone up by now. Yeah. Right. Cause that's been around for a long yeah. time. That's and the, the laws just now, keep increasing. Right, in it's number. gotta be five by now. Yeah, right. You would think, uh, they'll find something. They'll find something for you. Uh, or they'll just make something up or whatever, right? And that's what these guys are worried about. The fact that the government employees are worried about retribution should be all you need to know about why right. this has gone too far. Yeah. There's no turning this around. Yeah. You're not going to solve this problem through voting harder. Right. Okay, so the only option is to get out of the federal system by secession or by just up and leaving, one or the other. Anyway, more about the story here. So uh, they're fearing punishment. One unnamed employee quoted in an April document from 2021 said leadership of the INA's Office of Regional Intelligence is, quote, shady and, quote, runs like a corrupt government. Another document said some employees worried so much about the legality of their activities they wanted their employer to cover legal liability insurance. Note, they're not willing to quit. They're worried they're doing something illegal. They're speaking about it internally, yeah. anonymously, but no, they're not willing to actually quit their jobs where they may be doing illegal things. They just want to have their butts covered in the event that they get caught. I, this speaks to the level of indoctrination of the regular person. 
Carrie Bachner, formerly the career senior legislative advisor to the DHS under Secretary for Intelligence, said the fact that the agency is directly questioning Americans as part of a domestic intelligence program is deeply concerning, given the history of scandals related to past domestic intelligence programs by the FBI. She, who served as a DHS liaison with Capitol Hill from 2006 to 2010, said she told members of Congress adamantly over and over and over again that INA didn't collect intelligence in the United States. She said, ha. quote, I don't know any counsel in their right mind that would sign off on that and any member of Congress that would say that that's OK, she said, who currently runs a consulting firm, saying further, if these people are out there interviewing folks that still have constitutional privileges without their lawyer present, that is immoral. Constitutional privileges? That's an interesting wording. Constitutional privileges? Yeah. What is the definition of a privilege? Well, it's not a right, that's for sure. No, a privilege is something you have to ask permission for. Right. Uh, a right is something you can just simply exercise because, well, you're a human being. Because of the basis of existence. Yeah. A privilege can be denied. Right. A right is supposed to be respected. Now, obviously, they don't care about your rights. Obviously. The Undersecretary for Intelligence and Analysis, Kenneth Weinstein from DHS, a former federal prosecutor, who took the helm of INA last June, said in a statement his office is addressing its employees' concerns. No need to worry, little people. We've heard your concerns, and we are addressing them. We'll take them under advisement. Right. A spokesbureaucrat provided Politico with a list of steps the office has taken since September of 2020 to address internal complaints, including conducting a number of new trainings and hiring two full-time ombudsmen. Don't worry, the ombudsmen are on the oh case. Oh my gosh, there's that word again. I can't remember the definition of ombudsman. I think it's like a, somebody who reviews a uh, performance or something Yeah, it's just the like weirdest that. word ever. Yeah. In its statement, INA didn't address the domestic intelligence program, not surprisingly, but Politico reviewed an email sent last August saying the portion... Of the program involving interviews with prisoners who'd received their Miranda rights was temporarily halted because of internal concerns. Quote, the true measure of a government organization is its ability to preserve through challenging times, openly acknowledge and learn from those challenges, and move forward in the service of the American people, said Weinstein. Yeah, you're all getting serviced, all right. He said further, the Office of Intelligence and Analysis has done just that over the past few years. Together, we will ensure that our work is completely free from politicization. That's all your work is. Yeah. Oh, my God. That our workforce feels free to raise all views and concerns and that we continue to deliver the quality, objective intelligence that is so vital to our Homeland Security partners. This makes me want to puke. All the, all the bureaucratic speak. Yeah, and if you believe yeah. that, I got a bridge to sell you in San Francisco. A key theme that emerges from internal documents is that in recent years, many people working at INA have said they fear they're breaking the law. They fear they're breaking the law. Well, I mean, how can they really know? Well, they're not lawyers. Well, well, who checks on that? Lawyers. And who checks on them? No one. And who checks on them? Yeah. yeah. Who watches the watchers? Exactly. Politica reviewed a slide deck titled INA Management and Anal Management Analysis and Assistance Program Survey Findings for FOD, which the governments always have these mouthful titles and such. FOD refers to their Field Operations Division, now called the Office of Regional Intelligence, which is the largest part of the office with personnel working around the country. They work with state, local, and private sector partners, collect intelligence, and analyze intelligence. When a U.S. 
Uh, the U.S. faces a domestic crisis related to national security or public safety. People in this section are expected to be the first to know about it and then relay what they learn to their office's leadership. Their focus includes domestic terror attacks, cyber attacks, border security issues, and natural disasters, apparently, along with a host of other threats and challenges. The survey described was conducted in April of 2021. A person familiar with it said mm. they asked respondents about the events of 2020, and they were based on 126 responses. Half of the respondents said they had alerted managers of their concerns that their work involved activity that was inappropriate or illegal. The slide deck seems to try to put a positive spin on this news, saying, quote, there is an opportunity to work with employees to address concerns they have about the appropriateness or lawfulness of a work activity. Yeah, you're fired. Half of the respondents have <laughs> voiced to management it. a concern about this, many of whom feel their concern was not appropriately addressed. Other documents laid out concerns related to a specific internal dispute about how the law applies to their interactions with American citizens. Three texts govern their activities. Title 50 of the U.S. Code, which talks about national security, an executive order, which details how the... Okay, okay hang on, hang yeah. on. My concern hasn't been addressed by the government. What can I do about it? Uh, leave or leave would be... Uh, You're supposed to say, what's best... your concern, Captain? Yeah. What's your concern? That government is illegitimate. Yeah, they're never going to address that one. <laughs> no. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I've tried to tell them on multiple occasions I don't consent, and they just keep on doing things yeah, to me, I know, so... I know. Even though their own documents say they're founded in consent, it doesn't appear to have any truth whatsoever. Nope, none. It seems as though they're founded in violence and that they do whatever it is they want to do Yeah, like anytime uh, were, they want. You, you were simplifying things earlier, and I thought to myself, uh, this reminds me of something I heard from somebody else. Uh, uh, all you should need to know as to whether or not government uh, is legitimate or uh, an organization worth keeping around is the ends do not justify the means. Yeah. That's really all you should look at. Do the ends justify the means? No. Overwhelmingly, no. The evidence shows, if you just look at it, the evidence shows, no. It's totally, it's overwhelming. So, uh, this article here is talking about the code, the the law, quote-unquote, that applies, supposedly, to these bureaucracies. Okay. And this Title 50, they say, means that they face strict rules related to intelligence activity about targeting u.s citizens but what good are the strict rules if the very agencies who are tasked with enforcing them are ignoring them mm -hmm. why would they enforce the quote strict rules upon themselves right and here you have 126 internal bureaucrats being surveyed half of them saying they believe that they are committing uh, acts within their jobs that are inappropriate or illegal, and the department's just saying, oh, well, we just need to have a chat about this. We've, we've heard your concerns. We'll bring it up in the meeting yeah. next month, and we'll file multiple triplicate paperwork about it, and then uh, nothing will ever happen. So... In 2020, in November, apparently, after Election Day, Robin Taylor, their director of the Field Operations Division, emailed multiple officials a summary of 12 listening sessions. I mean, this sounds so corporate, doesn't oh it? Oh, my God. That's, it's, it sounds so just 
boring and god awful yeah. we're going to put together 12 sessions called listening sessions. they probably probably hired consultants yeah sure to come up with this idea what can we do to it and they're like you should have a series of meetings and you could call them listening sessions yeah 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 and they can they can the consultants can bill for every hour yeah they probably made a hundred grand off of, off of the government just for that uh, an ombudsman by the way is a government official who hears and investigates complaints by private citizens Against other officials and government agencies. He hears and what complaints? Investigates. Oh, but doesn't actually do anything about no, it. Oh, yeah. They just hear it and then investigate it. real hard. But then they, they don't actually do anything about it. Well, right. If they actually did something, they'd be out of a job. Right? Uh, so the listening sessions, they held these 12 of them. And uh, an internal employee watchdog held this with their division employees like the idea the i love the words with with government they make it sound so serious we have a watchdog yeah we have a task force wait a minute wait a minute are these first amendment editor or auditors uh ombudsman no because they're not paid mm, yeah they're they're doing, they're doing actual real work they're, that you can watch right, yeah. and you can observe and you can have an opinion about uh, so they had these meetings. The, the email inter included a few lines referencing employees' concerns about the scope and appropriateness of their work. Quote, many taskings seem to be law enforcement matters and not for an intelligence organization. Read one portion. Another said, how is any of this related to our Title 50 authorities? Even if we are technically allowed to do this, should we? What was the intent of Congress when they created us? Departmental support seems like a loophole that we exploit to conduct questionable activities. Seems like? Seems like? No, it is. It actually totally and completely is. Uh, another seems line like. from the same document was even more bleak. Quote, showing where we provide value is very challenging. <laughs> these poor bureaucrats. I almost feel bad for these bureaucrats. Like, they seem no, like I a... I, I mean, they almost just, seem like they have a soul or like a they're, conscience. They're just uh, blissfully unaware. They don't want it to be true. Right? Like, they don't... Are you sure this isn't illegal? This seems like it might be... Just tell us it's not illegal. Yeah. We need a lawyer to tell us that I'm what we're doing. I'm surprised that's not what happened. I'm surprised they didn't yeah. have these meetings go, yeah, no, it's all legal. It's fine. Oh, okay. Everybody back to work. I'm surprised that what didn't happen. I'm just not saying it. Also, why the... <clears throat> did it take 12 meetings? Mm -hmm. Like, like you probably could have, like, summarized this in, like, I don't know, uh, you know, a few meetings with certain people. Uh, so field operations had another document from the listening sessions where the ombudsman, the internal sounding board for employee concerns, showed the concerns persisted into the Biden administration. Oh, wow. What a shock. Oh, you mean you mean the, the problems of government uh, cross over from president to president, from regime Isn't to that regime? A shock. And, wow. and the problems don't change or get better. No, In fact, they just the continue to get worse. worse. Yeah. Uh, and they said that these bureaucrats... Who could have ever told anybody that that's what's happening? If only there were some sort of media program that was broadcast nationwide <laughs> and on the internet that would tell people that this is going on. I think we should start something like that. What do you think? Great idea. The document says, quote, INA and FOD leadership don't seem to understand how Title 50 applies to the FOD, which causes conflicts, said the document. Whoa, wait a minute. Are you saying government bureaucrats aren't able to read the law and understand it? <laughs> huh. well, I mean, because that Heck, makes sense, They don't sense, even write right? it most of the time. They don't write it. 
Okay, we're not talking about lawyers. We're talking about top bureaucrats in these government, quote, intelligence departments. They read this crap and they're like, oh, well, we'll just do whatever we want. And if we get, I mean, if they even read it. They're just they just do whatever they want to do and it doesn't even matter because just, they're never going to be held accountable for it. I'm just thinking of like a like a Saturday night live style or a mad TV style skit where like you've opened uh, a trade school but you're training bureaucrats instead of welders or carpenters or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Your trade is bureaucracy. So you're training bureaucrats and basically the training consists of well nothing. Can you write? <laughs> okay, have a nice day. You're hired. Like it doesn't even matter if you can read or comprehend. Right. So can you push paper? Okay. You're you're hired. Right? Here's your diploma. Let's go to the phones here. Riley is on the line, uh, new mover here to New Hampshire. Riley Blake, the editor of the Free Talk Live Digest edition of the show. Welcome, sir. Welcome home. Thank you. I appreciate the welcome. So I wanted to update people on a, an event we had here in Keene. Mm-hmm. It was the cannabis rally we met at Railroad Square and talked about cannabis decrim and had a good time. So yes, cannabis was smoked. I did not participate because that would break my bail conditions, but boy, was I jealously wishing I could. Oh, <laughs> I, was cov- I was coveting that uh, that cannabis, I will tell you. I bet, <laughs> I bet you were. Yeah. I would love to smoke with you one day. Yeah, one of these we'll days. We'll, we'll get there. One of these days. Uh, but what about but, it? I mean, uh, this you kind of brought back something that has been gone for some amount of years. I mean, basically, ever since decriminalization happened in 2017, the cannabis uh, legalization movement has essentially fallen off the radar. Right. And that's the thing I wanted to bring back is, you know, let's celebrate the fact we have what we have here in New Hampshire and enjoy it in public. I, and I agree. I like it. And also, which is, by the way, civil disobedience, I'd like to point out, because it is still illegal, even though it is decriminalized. It is not legal to consume it in public and it's not legal to possess. Mm. It's just you're going to get a ticket instead of get arrested and charged with a misdemeanor. You'll get a violation. And and supposedly it's the lowest thing that they're going to prosecute. Yeah, they're barely. I mean, in Keene, they're not even really writing tickets at all for it. But, you know, if you push it, maybe they will write you one. Well, I hope I don't have to have a ticket, but who knows? Well, if you're going to commit civil disobedience, I mean, it's good to hope that you don't, but the more times you're downtown smoking pot, the higher the likelihood that at some point a law enforcement officer in uniform is going to walk by, and that will be the ultimate test uh, of this particular event, is to see whether that officer will simply continue to walk or if they will come over and pull out the ticket book. Yeah, that will be the test for sure. My my thoughts are that eventually they've got to look the other way because it's just getting too popular. I hope so. I don't smell I so it too. as often as I would like to. You know, I mean, Keene's not a busy. And sometimes the downtown's busy, but you know, if you're downtown, you don't smell the the wafting uh, smoke of somebody sparking up a joint or whatever very often. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe that'll happen more often now. Well. That's the problem with government corruption is these so-called government people think they have the right to what kind of plant to ingest. Yeah. My plant of choice is a psychoactive plant, much like coffee, much like tobacco. And why can't I enjoy it? I think you should be able to, and I fully support uh, your event, even though I am not able to participate meaningfully in it, which is why I came out uh, yesterday. Bonnie and I were there, as uh, as you know. It was actually, I was surprised at uh, the turnout. There were several people 
that came out yesterday for what was the first of what you're going to be making into a weekly event, as I understand it. Is that right? That's right. right. That's the plan. Okay. We're going to start off having it on Fridays, and if we need to change the day, we can always change the day. Let's stick with Friday. Should we assume that, like, if you already participate in cannabis-related activities, you know what time this event occurs? (laughs) Yep, we should. (laughs) There you go. It's also on the calendar, by the way, at the Free State Project or the Free Keen calendar. If you go to fsp.org slash calendar, it should show up there. So anybody that's visiting here in New Hampshire, you might want to swing on by Railroad Square on 420 or at 420 on any old Friday apparently. Now Riley, are you going to go hardcore on this and do it through the the winter time? Well, I don't know, but if people want to come, I'll I'll try and get there. All right, very good. Thank you for the call tonight. I, That's awesome. Man. I appreciate hearing from you. Uh, and by try and get there, he's blind, so you know he has to usually have somebody take him because he lives about a half hour away from Keene. So the the, the level of uh, you know That's dedication, yeah, the level yeah. of dedication here is very very high from Riley. And this is what you know we need more people like it's, this. It's it's very high, very high. <laughs> uh, so I hear, but we need more people like this. People that have the energy to you know step up and and start something new. Now in the, in this case, he's bringing back something that was popular in the past. Yeah. Uh, whether it's bringing back an old favorite or starting something completely new or getting involved in an existing organization that could all be, could use some fresh blood and some help and some new ideas. Uh, we've got thousands of liberty activists that are here in New Hampshire, but we need thousands more. Okay? Yeah, we, we cannot do. rest on our laurels. Activists do burn out. I know Joa, for instance, who was uh, hosting our Thursday night show for some time, unfortunately, may be suffering from some activist burnout. You mentioned the First Amendment auditors. Yep. Uh, he is one of the more noteworthy ones out there. Yeah, and, sure enough. And he's, he's feeling burned out. That's why he moved to Grafton recently. Yep. So, uh, you know, we got to have more people coming in here. The more people we have, the less burnout I think will happen, the less, uh, less attrition, etc. Check out the Free State Project. I'll put the full story here from Politico because... This whole thing about these bureaucrats saying they think something illegal is going on, I this is a long, in-depth investigation into these documents that apparently have been released about this. But I think we've had some interesting takeaways, and that is that these bureaucrats, they're just doing anything they want to do. They don't know what the law says. They don't know how it applies. They don't huh. care how it applies. The ones that are concerned about it aren't concerned enough to quit their jobs over it, but they think they might be doing illegal things, and it didn't matter whether it was under Trump or under Biden, because the same crap keeps happening. But you think you're going to vote your way out of it? Yeah, secession, I think, is probably the only answer here. We'll see you tomorrow night. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.